Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. So Chris Grania joins the podcast. Zero Agenda, we're just a couple of frothers that love moto. And uh, I think that's probably what the next three hours is going to be. I'm able to pursue my passions a little bit more and turn the volume down on my snowboarding and then turn the volume up on C-Class battles. Heat race win for the LCQ. I was I was flying a little too close to the sun. I was jacked up and I ripped the holy. Full gate at Mammoth, ripping a f***ing hole shot up the hill. It, there's nothing better. Take snowboarding, for example. It's like this intermittent flow out on the track. And I have moments when I'm like, this is the best moment of my life. You got the adrenaline, you're flowing, you're loose, you're light. And don't forget how goddamn fun it is. It's unbelievable. Hey, look at Carson Brown. I love watching him just wring the neck of a f***ing old two-stroke or XR. What is up, Gypsy Gang? We're back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast. And in this one, two podcast worlds collide. I'm joined by the host of the Bomb Hole podcast, Chris Grenier. Now, Chris Grenier and I, we live in a bit of a similar boat. We're both in an industry. We have passions outside of that industry. Chris is uh, a bit of an OG of the snowboard game. Uh, he's won X Games real, stri- uh, real snow parts. He's uh, a pioneer in that space. And he is also the host of one of the biggest snowboard podcasts in the industry. And while all this is going on, he has a bit of a side quest of sorts uh, as a C-grade frother in moto much like myself uh i've been looking forward to doing this episode for a long time i got to hang out with chris in mammoth watch him rip one of the most beautiful hole shots i've ever seen uh in the c-class lcq and he got the dub um it was pretty rad to see so ever since then we've been wanting to get the podcast done we actually recorded it a little while ago but just kind of found its way into the schedule but i absolutely love this podcast Chris is a legend of a dude, uh, and I hope you'll enjoy this one. And why not go and check out The Bomb Hole on uh, all of your streaming slash podcast platforms. That's it from me, guys. We'll get into a couple of ads, but I hope you enjoy this awesome podcast with Chris Grenier. This episode is brought to you by Yamaha and the all-new 2024 YZ250F. It's no secret that I've been a big fan of this 250F. Where would you go right now if you want to win a lights championship? Star Yamaha. And in 2024, Yamaha has migrated their latest chassis platform to the quarter leader king. With the new chassis designed to flex in the right areas that allow for maximum feel through the turns without sacrificing stability. There's also an all-new Ergos package designed at slimming down the bike and updates to the rider triangle to improve rider comfort. The Yamaha still has that same exciting engine package that has become a modern icon in the 250 class, rocketing star racing to the lion's share of the last decade's titles. Combine this with Yamaha's Bluetooth connectivity for easy mapping and engine monitoring, and you have one of the best production 250s on the market today. To learn more, head to yamahamotorsports.com or click the link in the description below. 
Top of the morning to you. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows, make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in below the kilt care. Say goodbye to your clover forest with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 and let your confidence shine bright. Embrace the luck of the Irish and join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Head over to manscaped.com and use the code GYPSYGANG for 20% off plus free shipping. Now, Cameron McAdoo is proof that you always need to make sure that you're taking care of your male grooming because you never know when the crown jewels will be on display. Ever since I've used Manscaped, I can proudly say I've found my pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Meet your new lucky charm this St. Patrick's Day, the all-new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. This trimmer comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads, one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go over smooth wherever your heart desires. It is equipped with dual LED spotlights to navigate your shamrock patch in peace. And worried you'll make a mess? Well, fear not, this wonder is waterproof. Shave by the moisty moors under a waterfall or even during a rain dance. Its compact case makes it an ideal companion ready for any adventure or last minute plans. Trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. Complete your look with the Manscaped Signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code gypsygang at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with code gypsygang at manscaped.com. This St. Paddy's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. We are also brought to you by the all-new Web Eclipse Knee Brace from EVS. Experience the pinnacle of knee protection and injury prevention with the EVS Web Eclipse Knee Brace. For over 39 years, they have relentlessly honed their engineering expertise, consistently delivering award-winning knee braces. The legacy of excellence is embedded in every facet of the Web Eclipse, which represents the culmination of their tireless dedication to innovation and rider safety. The new standard for top performance knee braces, designed specifically for those who care about superior protection and performance, the Web Eclipse is engineered from reinforced aerospace grade 12K carbon fiber, making it one of the lightest yet strongest knee braces available. With its low-profile invisible fit, this knee brace is designed to conform to your leg, offering optimal comfort. To find out more from the all-new Web Eclipse knee brace from EVS, head to evssports.com. All right, and finally, last thing, just a little mention about the Gypsy 500. The race has been sold out for a minute, but we do have the Gypsy 50, which is a 50-lap pit bike race on a custom-built one-mile circuit. And that is going to be on the Friday night before the event in Mesquite, Nevada. That'll be on the 8th of March. Now, if you missed out on the race, but you still want to come and hang, grab yourself an entry for the Gypsy 50. I'm going to be racing that bad boy. And then straight after that, we're going to be going into an epic live podcast with all of the heavy hitters that are going to be at the race. So, you missed out you can still come come and hang i really hope to see all of you guys there i'm looking forward to the first ever gypsy 500 march 9th at mesquite nevada
So Chris Grania joins the podcast. He is the uh, the host of the the Bombhole podcast, which is maybe one of the best snowboarding podcasts on the planet. Uh, and we haven't known each other that long. We met at Mammoth, but you're one of those people. You know when someone comes so highly regarded by people that you regard regard extremely highly that's you so there's a whole crew of people that are just like grania is the fucking man and then we met and i was like oh confirmed he is the fucking man and now we're doing the podcast wow that's cool to hear yeah so so hyped to to be here chatting with you it should be fun banter marathon today yeah Yeah, we're just we're like the same dude in a lot of ways we're c-class warriors that fucking froth moto and we've randomly found ourselves doing quite large podcasts within our within our industry so i feel like there's probably a lot to uh a lot to cover a hundred percent and and like with uh you know tyler beerman and axel and those guys and vicky i tell them i'm like you guys like moto i love moto it is it is my it's my shit you know what i mean like they they do it for a job I spend all my hard-earned money on fucking suspension or whatever because I love it. So I'm so hyped to be chatting with you guys about moto. So how did you uh, get into it? Like you're a professional snowboarder and you guys basically chase winter around forever. And it's like the opposite of being a surfer basically where they just chase summer around. How did moto kind of fit into your life to even get you started? Yeah, when I was a kid, I had an XR80. So I just bang there yep. you go yeah, yeah just grew up in massachusetts riding around the woods didn't do anything serious just kind of fucking around and then moved out to utah when i was 17 or 18 always had like an xr 400 and then i got a 250f but i couldn't really pursue it when i was in yeah. kind of the prime of my yeah. career because you can't get hurt so now that i am uh more of a podcaster still a snowboarder but you know I, i'm able to pursue my passions a little bit more and turn the volume down on my snowboarding and then turn the volume up on c-class battles <laughs> yeah dude so actually let's just for context this is fucking we have to play this clip this oh is like, god this is like the clip of the fucking century so shira sent me this last night i was thankfully here for this in person but this is a level of frother that we're working with here people so this is from mammoth the c-class lcq Air horns, check. <laughs> this was a moment. Get this guy some champagne. Uh, we gotta go to the uh, the interviews. The fucking yeah. Basically, part. all my friends had air horns at Mammoth when I'm going around. <laughs> <laughs> this is my podium speech you got yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude, it was a fucking moment. That was literally like my first interaction with you. Like we hadn't met at this point yet. And everyone's like, you got to meet Grania, you got to meet Grania. And then, yeah, we watched you uh, just rip the 30 plus C class. And the best part is, is that qualified you for the rest of the day. And you were just like, fuck that. Like I'm going out on top. I can't do any better than this. Oh my, well, my bucket was full. I was overflow. I was so happy. And a few years ago, three years prior, I uh, cross rutted in, I think it was that, that dragon's back section in the, yeah. in the back. Yeah. And I got 12 staples in my leg. So I kind of, I'm like a no one to hold them, no one to fold them guy. I got a heat race win for the LCQ. I was 
I was flying a little too close to the sun. I was jacked <laughs> up and I ripped the holy, which is like ripping a holy at Mammoth. I don't give a fuck what you do in life. Like pro surfer, pro snowboarder, pro skateboarder, like a fucking full gate at Mammoth ripping a fucking hole shot up the hill <laughs> yeah. is like a, it, there's nothing better. Like I don't give a shit what anybody says. Like it's, it's insane. And I, and I was, I'm never in the front. I'm like a mid pack guy. So I was out there like, so I got passed and then on the first lap down the hill and I knew I had the pace on the guy in front of me. And then, but when you're in front, when you're leading at Mammoth, you're just like, holy shit, there's nobody in front of me. It was, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it was so sick. And we're just like screaming the entire time, like air horns and shit. And everyone just like, like, fuck, this is the 30C class LCQ. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on here? Oh, Mammoth Mammoth is like... Uh, Mammoth is that place. It's that place. And also, it's a snowboard town. And, you know, when you're yeah. leading, they're like, Chris Grant, you're on the microphone. So the flaggers, I'm pretty sure, were snowboarders. <laughs> yeah. I had, like, all my friends with air horns. I had the pit board. And then it's like Beerman and Vicky and Seth and all these guys. And and I'm, like, seeing the fist pumps everywhere. I, go. I, I felt like I was at, like, Desnations, like, leading, <laughs> like, Carmichael or something. You know what I mean? It was it was so fun. So yeah. Oh dude, I love it. Man, I had the the first moto at Glen Helen, everyone's like McGrath went was the gate before and then my my brother's class went I think I was the third gate. And then I was on the stock and I like literally pulled into McGrath's gate and I was like, fuck it, let's go. I hadn't done any starts on the Varg and then I just ripped the biggest start and I'm just fully like looking around like, holy fuck. And I'm like, I'm going to rip the whole shot at Glen Helen. This dude come around the outside on a cowie though and pit me. I kind of pussied out a little bit, but just, I think that's like probably the best thing about Moto is me you ricky can't like it's all the same shit like it's all the same feeling and that's why even us c-class heroes can love this shit so much 110 percent. like if you go to like a mammoth for example i was out there for practice and i hear like a little like a yee like coming and on the outside i see number two showtime pass me on the outside on a one two five and i'm just like that's the fucking king of super. What's better than that? Like you can't be a pro football player no. and go play football yeah. with Tom Brady. Yeah. But I can go ride practice with Jeremy McGrath and I was racing day in the dirt and I got passed by Josh Grant and I thought I was going as fast as my motorcycle could take me. And, and you were. And he's just like he's like you're not even moving, you know? And yeah. it's fucking amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it's like one of those, like, it's uh, Talladega Nights. He's like, oh, was that the other, was that the other car? What was that? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what it feels like with Josh Grant's up on the hill just flying past you. So, yeah, I, I love it. Dude, no, it, it was, it was, uh, it was a super cool deal that, that whole Mammoth weekend. And, uh, yeah, it's just the whole, like, vet racing thing in general is just so cool over here. Like, this is my first time. When I lived here the first time, I lived here from like 2010 to 18, but I didn't really ride. I kind of, I grew up racing and riding my whole life. And then I was working for teams over here and I was going to all the supercrosses and, and I was actually just surfed and played golf, basically. It wasn't until I went home that I kind of got a little bit more into it. So now I'm like reliving all of my childhood dreams by like being here, racing the tracks and all that sort of shit. But the whole vet scene is fucking insane here, dude. Oh, dude, it's incredible. And you pull up to the line and the thing that's great is you're like, you got to work on Monday? 
you got to work on Monday? <laughs> Me too. Let's keep it tight. Let's have yeah. fun, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I do I do like desert races. I'll do an 80-mile desert race. I'll do a GP. Yeah. I'll do Day in the Dirt. I'll do, you know, to me, I don't discriminate when it comes to racing. And the, but yeah, moto is definitely the most fun. Dude, speaking of that, actually, are you busy February 17th? Midwinter? What's... Ooh, yeah, mid-winter, yeah, honestly, probably. probably. Yeah, yeah, what okay. do you got going on? So we're doing a race. We're, we're doing our own race. So have you seen... Do you you know, you know verb moto yep yeah so you know how they do their verb shred tours yep so we're doing our own it's like the gypsy tales eight hour classic presented via verb moto so it's an eight hour team race Damn. so you can either iron man it you can do a three-man team or a four-man team and basically you get one transponder per team and it's a 20-minute lap time so it's you know mesquite the world yeah 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 there's a gp down there next weekend oh yeah yeah, so it's there basically so we're doing uh it's a half lap of the moto track then it's the works loop and then it's the other half it's all sand yeah and it's basically it'll be like 20 minute lap time and then you come into your pit you clip on your transponder or you put in your mate's camelback or like however you want to do mm-hmm. it and then you just go for eight hours mm-hmm. and it's whoever does the most laps in eight hours wins amazing but so we do them in australia and it's called the transmoto race series and it's the fucking best shit ever so the verb guys were like we should do an event in 2024 i'm like this is what we're doing because i feel the same way like those races actually got me back into racing and riding too because I always say to people, you're almost a dickhead if you want to win. Like, if you go there to win those races, you're a loser and I don't want to hang out with mm-hmm. you. Like, that, and that's, I think, why Dan the Dirt works. Like, no one goes to Dan the Dirt because they want to win. You know, they're just there for the whole vibe of, of the weekend. So, yeah, we're doing that. So, if you're busy, but winter, snowboarder, well, probably still, tough. though, I think that talking about the mentality of racing, I think that I'm seeing a renaissance of people having fun racing yeah you know in the sense where it's like when you're young people come up and it's like you're on the minis and everybody's really competitive and this is super dads and then you got the schoolboys and all, all the kids are out for blood yeah. you know everybody basically like under the age of 30 is like feels like they're out for fucking blood yeah and then you get into vet racing and and it's like let's have good times let's do some good times racing and i think that it's about racing without ego you know you you gotta there's a degree where you want to be fast and you want to win but there's that like kind of tough guy mentality that kind of melts away in some of these races which is what i love well i think a part of that is because the dream's over yeah (laughs) like yeah a1 is not in our future like that's a good point you know what i mean and i think that when you're a kid like i fucking sucked as a kid like i've always been not the best racer and it's like even then you still think i can get better i could if i train if i fuck it i could make it and now it's like no the ship has sailed it's left the fucking dock we're on the island let's just have fun here like you know what i mean i ain't swimming to no other fucking mm-hmm. island to try and get somewhere mm-hmm. different like this is who i am where i'm 100 percent. yeah my my fiance w- when we first started dating she's like yeah chris is going to a dirt bike race and she's like oh cool uh is he is he like sponsored she's like no is that is there money involved she's he's like no she's like what is it he's like she's like well it's basically a bunch of grown men living out their childhood dreams. I'm like, that is exactly what it is. Dude, nailed it. Like, when, when, I, when I was a kid, we were fucking so broke and our bikes were so shit. My first fucking race bike was a TTR 125. And I was a senior, bro. I was a senior on the line next to like CR 250s, fucking mm-hmm. YZ 250, like 
sick dudes on sick race bikes and I'm the <laughs> with the fuck like our our fucking method was to pull the baffle out like that was mm-hmm. the horsepower that we were yeah. getting out of this yep. bike you know so like now dude my 350 is the biggest most bullshit well actually Steve's 350 that I yep. commandeered off him it's the most bullshit bike of all time. It's got Showa A-Kit forks, a track shock. It's got a Yoshi pipe. It's got FCP engine mounts. It's got extra triple clip, like everything. Literally, and I could ride a stock bike the same speed. 100%. But guess what? I'm healing fucking trauma over here, baby. 100%. And yeah, same thing. I, I got the, I got Enzo. Four, I got a 350, yeah. gas gas 350. I got the the twisted development. I got the, <laughs> yes. the, the Enzo front forks. I got the guts racing, like wings. You know? I'm yeah. buying all this shit I don't need. It's like, really, Chris, you should actually just go like work on some corner speed, you know, yeah. maybe hammer yeah. some. No, do no, a, no. Hey, do a run. Yeah. Just do a run. <laughs> exactly. It's like, I no, the forks are what I need. But, you know, also, that's what's great about getting older. You know, when I was a kid, you, you can't. You can't afford I'm buying that a piece. Shit. I'm like, yeah. all right, I got 1500 bucks. I'm going to buy a piece of shit XR or whatever. Now I got I got some money I can spend on parts and, and it makes me happy. So why the fuck not, you know? Yeah. No, so, I'm in the exact same boat, dude. And there's it's like a... I don't know. There's there is something kind of like healing about it in a sense, you know. Like you're you're a kid, you feel all these limitations when you're young, and you kind of you have to you just get what you're given. Like if you're in such like a box, and there's uh, at least for me, I spent so much of my childhood thinking, oh, I want this, I want that. Or you, there's probably holes in that. If you're a psychologist, you could probably say that that's like that's some weird shit what void are you trying to fill yeah Yeah. but it's like now it's yeah same boat it's like hey i can do this i like this it's fun you know we spent this whole world vets week was literally the dream like we lived the fucking dream my brother came over my parents came over my mate franco came over he's like builds race engines and race suspension like he's the man so he came over my best mate as came over who he ended up getting third which was awesome and it's like we just went to the track and then we washed our bikes and then we came home and new shit kept rocking up for the bikes and we were putting parts on tuesday we went to the track and we were testing and it's like dropping fork oil heights and, and it's like i would i think the other the, the cool way to say it too is like if you just deposited a billion dollars into my bank account last week i couldn't have made my life better mm-hmm. with that money you know like that i couldn't have spent it in a way that would have made my life better for the week that i just did and and that is such a cool thing to be able to say like we fucking lived the dream a hundred percent a hundred percent and out there on the track too dude when when you're out there and you're riding and you're in that sweet spot like there there's nothing that compares to moto in the fact that like take snowboarding for example it, it's a it's a gravity fed sport yeah. so in order to like mm. have a run you you know you might go up a chairlift and then you got two minutes three minutes four minutes five minutes of, of riding down maybe stopping and you're getting into flow in the snowboard park you're hitting a jump line but you might get into flow for like 30 seconds mm. 40 seconds yeah and you lock in or you you're hiking a rail and you're battling a trick in the streets or or you know hiking a jump in the backcountry. but it's like this intermittent flow yeah whereas out on the track i got the fucking stopwatch which is hilarious i'm like i'm gonna go do with thir- i'm gonna do 230s i'll build a program for myself yeah, yeah. i'm doing 230s and then i'm gonna hammer a left-hander for like 20 minutes and then so like i'm out there i'm doing one of my 30s and i have moments when i'm like 
this is the best moment of my life. Yeah. And I'm not even joking. Like that happens to me a lot on the dirt bikes. It's just like, you got the adrenaline, you're flowing, you're loose, you're light. And you know, you're catching fucking air. Like, I think that's the one thing too, for people that have been riding dirt bikes their whole life. Like for me, I'm, I'm like honeymoon phase of really like diving in yeah. and it is like, don't forget how goddamn fun it is. It's unbelievable. You know? Oh man. You're so right too. Like, the whole it's cool to bring that up because i'd say that you'd be a guy that would really experience some pretty like heavy peak flow moments and the feeling of landing like a really gnarly trick or hitting something really gnarly in like the back country or like that would be pretty amazing but it's very short-lived and that's one of the cool things with moto is that when you're out there doing like a 20 or a 30 like you're really dipping into like a, a fucking cool cool place and there was that was one of the things like because this year I, I did train a lot for the race like i didn't do as well as i not thought i would like i didn't do that good to be honest like i i feel like i have a lot more um and now that i've trained for something like this i feel like i could adjust a lot of shit to do a lot better but one thing that i learned through this that is so valuable and i think probably will help my moto for the rest of my life is to stay in it for a 20 or a 30 and to like ride the the waves that you go through like you get out to Glen Helen and lap three you're just your arms are pumped up and you're like fuck this sucks like and any other day I would have pulled off the track and just like I'm gonna need a drink I'm gonna change my bike I'm gonna but when you stop watches on the bars and you're looking at the time and you've got to be out there for that 20 minutes and then it's like lap three you're kind of struggling lap four you find a little bit and then lap five six and seven you're actually really starting to flow and you forgot all about that three you know lap three shithole that you kind of went through and you really can start to ride these waves and I just got to the point where you know mentally you just go out and you do 20s and like i had one day at parlor it was on the vet track before i had my suspension so i was riding steve's xcf 350 and dude just 420s on the vet track and just flowing the whole like Mm -hmm. my riding felt awesome and it's granted super smooth super easy track but man that that shit did stick with me i was like fuck i've actually been missing uh, there's a there's a lot of juice i've been missing from this squeeze you know like i wasn't squeezing hard enough and there's a lot more that i could have been getting out of this and that actually won't leave me now and mm-hmm. it's like that i know now that i can go and spend 20 25 minutes on the track and ride through all these different kind of waves of like that flow state totally and it's even bizarre too when you're you look at you know you got a transponder on your bike at a race or something and you look at your lap times and you think that the sprint lap was the fast one but it's like the last lap yeah, and you're like literally damn i thought i was throwing anchor but i was actually just hitting my marks yeah and then you know it's really fun to get out there and you know at first when i first was riding the track i was stiff and you know uh, i used to call my friends would call me uh ricky mortis <laughs> because uh, when you die you get stiff and you get rigor mortis because like, oh. that's me bro. <laughs> yeah, just, and now i'm like loosening up and like i think i'm doing a whip really my butt moves to the side a little bit but the, it's fun dude. and especially i've been really loving the gps lately i've raced two um in salt lake one was a sand race that i just did um and and i had the mx14 on and i was just surfing around and yeah. and it's 50 minutes and you just 
really get into that that wild flow of a 50 minute moto and i like when it gets spread out you know you're, you're when you're doing a 15 minute sprint and there's three bikes on the jump at the same time and yeah. some guys like showing you a wheel and it's kind of nice when you you kind of it separates and you're you're running your own race and you're just focusing on technique and yeah. you're like squeeze the bike you know set myself up good for the corner look ahead you know those are the things that go through my head on the dirt bike and it's so fun because you know if you think about for me i've been a pro snowboarder my whole life i've been snowboarding since i was a fucking kid I know how to do all my shit on a snowboard. Like, yeah. I, it's really all I, it's like, it's, I don't want to say it's all I know, that's but walking to but you, that's, like it's that, exactly. And so for me to go do something new, I have to go to, to great lengths. Yes. And, and now on, on the dirt bike, every time I go out, I see improvement. Yeah. And so, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll work a rut for a while. I'll just go work a left-hander, a right-hander. I'll hit it 50, 100 times. And then, you know, then the next time I go out, my lap times will be better or whatever, you know, or like for me, I was back of the class, mid-class. This year, I got three whole shots racing. And then, you know, I got some some podiums and I got some sevens and I got this fucking wall of these shitty trophies. And my <laughs> fiance, she's like, you like those moto trophies more than your snowboard trophies, don't you? I'm like, fuck yeah, this shit's hard. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's so much harder yeah, than than what you've spent your whole life snowboarding. And there would have been times where that shit came super easy, and <clears throat> it's almost like you could win without you know effort in a sense i'm sure when shit's clicking and it's like yeah it's fucking rewarding when you've got to dig deep at something that doesn't come as natural mm-hmm. and then when you go when i strap my snowboard on my feet and i go ride and i'm like oh like is you know the thing that's great about being you know a mediocre uh dirt bike guy is that you're you're like um how do I say this? Like being a mediocre dirt bike dude, like your ego gets deconstructed, right? You're, you're like, I'm, I, I know where I stand in the pack and I'm, I'm a fucking goon, you know? And, and then when I go re- strap into my snowboard, I'm like, oh, this is refreshing. Actually, I'm good at this, yeah, you know? Yeah. And it, I think it's really good for just in human nature to like not stick to the things we're good at, to learn new things and deconstruct the ego and, and, and just try to get better. I don't show up with my chest puffed up thinking I know what I do. Like I'm riding with Vicky and I'm like, hey, can you give me some pointers? And yeah. she's like, you you and on a snowboard we like to pop right so i like to like try to go as high as i can off the jump and make yeah. the landing and have airtime and you it's all about like a good snap off the lip and she's like you you slow down like you're going slow and then you gas it at the end of the jump she's like you want to take a bunch of speed and kind of like go through it and i'm like i've never thought about it like that because i think my mind is so trained to yeah, try yeah. to fucking that go makes up, total sense. you know so it's fun like i'm learning all these I, i've done some coaching you know i'm out there you know 30 30 five-year-old man out there getting coached you know and <laughs> yeah. i'm like it's fun you know so yeah moto kicks ass yeah i was definitely very humbled in the like the first bro the first fucking race i almost got the whole shot i was like third i come out in third and i probably got passed by 20 dudes the first lap. like it was humiliating i was riding around being like what the fuck is going on right i was so slow so tight and i just had nothing for literally anybody on the fucking track and i come off and i mean it's one of those things where when you kind of know where you're at like i know i'm the mediocre dirt bike guy that's like the best way to describe it so you don't really have like expectations and then that doesn't really give you pressure like if you know where you're at and you accept it then it's like a little bit easier to swallow but fuck i was humbled i was like my god and my heart rate went through the roof i got crazy arm pump which i don't get really arm pump and 
I just come off the track and I was like, well, shit. <laughs> like, this is fucking... That was very, very, mm-hmm. very humbling. And I had to, like, five minutes to charge my bike a little bit and get some water and go down the line and just try and <laughs> do it all again. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is no fucking joke mm-hmm. right now especially you know in Glen helen is like the mecca you know and people are dogs that have been riding their whole life there when i i felt the same way doing day in the dirt and you're just like holy shit these guys are fast but i noticed too i i like to really have intent on riding with no ego because when i was younger when i was like you know in my early 20s i'd be like yeah i'll fucking hit everything like horrible technique and just wad up all over the place and that that's what i've noticed whenever whenever I'm kind of riding like in, in my ego, so to speak, I'd like, I crash. Yeah. But when I'm like, dude, you're, this guy, this guy's got you covered, man. Just let him, let him buy. Yeah. And then I'm just kind of racing myself. And then when you ride your own race, who knows, that guy might tuck the front two corners later and you're back up, you know, but when you try to ride over your head, you get tired, you, you know, go over the bars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you go to the fucking hospital. And you go to the hospital. Well, yeah. I think that's the other thing too, is like moto, I mean, snowboarding the same, but like moto has real legitimate consequences. Like you have to have some serious, I guess like mental fortitude to just not press send at all times. And you know, like I just had to watch those dudes pass me on that first lap and just fucking suck it up and just like do my shit, try not to crash. But yeah. it was definitely in preparing for the race. Like, I, my whole goal was like, okay, I want to just be fit enough to do my races. Because when I was a kid, I didn't really train. Bikes weren't great. Like, it was just a suffer fest. Like, crazy arm pump all the time. Like, just, I never really felt like I could just go and go f- as fast as I could for the whole time. So, that was like kind of my goal going into it. But, uh, and I, I'd say I like achieve that goal, but fuck, you just need to race. Yeah. Like to, to get good at racing, mm-hmm. you have to race. Like I got really, really good at practicing, right? Yeah. <laughs> like I, I, but I did not get good at racing yeah. and I found that out really quickly. Mm-hmm. You know what I've identified that I think is one of the coolest things about racing is, you know, I think oftentimes we look at like fear as a bad thing, mm. but, um, you know, Beerman works with Troy Eckert. Has he ever told you about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. so I work with Troy as well. Yeah, okay. So Eckert was one of the founders of Volcom. He does like mindset coaching yes, stuff. Yeah. So I work with him every Wednesday and he surfs bombs, like huge waves. He's a big wave surfer. And oh, shit. Shredder of a surfer. And he's like, yeah, there's some swell coming in this week. It's going to be really big. And I was like, well, do you like that? He's like, I like to feel the fear. And I, I like the way he framed that up because that's it reminded me of rolling the dirt bike to the line. Mm. And you're like, you're, you're kind of signing up for those butterflies. You're signing up. It, there, there's something that's kind of, you know, it's fucking dangerous. You know, mm. there's no, there's no arguing that. And so when you roll your bike to the line, the, the butterflies come up a little bit, a little bit of fear and anxiety comes up and, and like embracing that is a fucking cool thing, you know? And it keeps a lot of people away from racing, I think too, but yeah yeah well i i don't really i don't know if i got that nervous for this because i think my expectations were true like so i'd say to i would say to like my wife she's like are you nervous and she does jujitsu competitively i do jujitsu competitively and i was say to her like i'm really not nervous because i i know i can't win like it's just not a thing I'm gonna do today. Like I, I feel like the nerves for me come more with expectations. Mm. Jiu-jitsu for me, like because I've I've won a lot of competitions in that. So every single time I compete, I have an expectation that I'm gonna win. The gym has an expectation that I'm gonna be able to win. 
and I think that that fucks with you a lot more so like I dude when I, even signing up for a jiu-jitsu competition like when you fill in the form online I have full sweats like crazy and, mm-hmm. and I'm better at that than than moto like that and that's one of the things that I've found kind of weird in this whole process as well is like oh I think your level of I guess like fear or anxiety is really tied to your expectations Mm. and I think that that's probably there's probably like a lesson in that in other places in life where it's like I guess it's a good like it is a good thing to feel that fear and I think I think what what we're after more often than not is we like to feel the relief Mm -hmm. of doing something yeah so it's and the more relief you feel is kind of that's in parallel with like the amount of expectation and anxiety that you kind of felt and i got a crazy sense of relief when this was done but yeah I, i think that there's definitely something to like okay your expectations of your performance or like what you want out of a situation will kind of be in correlation to like the level of anxiety and the level of like fear that you feel in a thing so i and i always think about like a point of diminishing returns so like when is this fear and when is this anxiety reach the point of it's not helping you anymore mm-hmm. and now you're on like the decline and you're like going into mm-hmm. into a hole so it was definitely interesting to feel those feelings in like a different kind of sense but yeah you're right like it is good to sign up for those feelings and to overcome them because yeah i think that then you hit the relief at the end of it and it's almost like the relief is what we're chasing yeah i like that i like that reframe and i think that fear there's a lot of parallels in in a lot of the stuff that we do too you know like and i always think sometimes people blame put things on oh that guy's got natural Talent, talent or whatever that was that, me dude yeah, i thought that forever and that's, it's bullshit like so i have wrong. some of the friends that are the best snowboarders in the world and and i what the way i look at it is like all right every, you you go build you know we build jumps in the back country and catch air and it's really similar or we'll we'll set a handrail up in the streets and a lot of times like dude to get yourself to do this shit it's not like safe it's fucking it's kind of scary there's a lot of consequence you get really fucked up and the greats and and people that do it for a living that are really good at it it's not that they don't feel fear Mm. it's that they force themselves to work through it you Mm -hmm. know and people like to blame that on natural talent oh this guy's just got natural talent no i was with my friend bodie he was fucking scared. He did the double cork on the jump anyway. You know what would be easy is to do a frontside 360 on the jump. Mm-hmm. But he he fucking was like, all right, it's a lot less scary to do a front three than a frontside 10 double cork. But he did the front 10 double cork. You know, and it's we all have that ability, but it's it's the greats that are able to work through that and obviously build your confidence and your skills to get there as well. But dude, Berriman is the man for that. Yeah. Like when you so Red Bull Imagination this year, I rocked up literally right as McNiles was getting chopped out and so like we went to park and then the chick's like hey don't park here there's a chopper coming and I was like fuck like let's not do this and then I was like who is it blah 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 McNiles got hurt airlifted out and then Berriman's like hey do you want to come back do you want to roll back to the barn with me so we jumped in the car we rolled back to the barn and I was like hey man you're good like is everything okay with you know what went down are you guys still going to practice he's like 
yeah, man, I'm going to hit that 180 after I'm going to go do an ice bath and I'm going to get some food and then I'm going to go back and I'll hit the 180. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, bro, you just watched your friend get fucking helicoptered out of here on the 150. And he just, it was mindset. Yep. You know, and, and he's like, he's like, dude, I know what I'm doing. Like, this is what I said I was going to do. And it, it was not a lack of fear it's exactly what you said it wasn't that there was not fear in his mind but it was the level of commitment that he had to his craft and to what he wanted to do was more important to him in a sense and it was like he'd made a commitment to himself and he'd made a decision and then he was going to take the appropriate steps Mm -hmm. to work through that Mm -hmm. to get the result that he told himself he was going to get and i think that yeah, it's not a lack of fear. It's a it's an abundance of commitment. Yes. And it's like this personal commitment that he made to himself. Dude, I was going to go for a run this morning and I kind of like slept in a little bit. And then I was just like, ah, I probably won't have time between now. I'm fucking, I'm probably just going to run later. And then I was like, ah, it gets dark early now. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's just that there's people out there and you would know a whole lot of them and you'd be one of them yourself where it's like the the level of personal commitment that you have to like, I guess, honoring the thing that you have in your head or honoring yep. the decision that you made to do this on this particular time at this particular totally. day. That is the difference in people. And I was one of those people and especially before this podcast, mm-hmm. like before I had hundreds and hundreds of conversations with the most gnarly motherfuckers on the planet i was a natural talent person and and when i was a kid i would think i just i'm not naturally talented i'm Mm -hmm. not naturally talented my my brother's way more talented than me and it's like "Mm, my brother just used more fuel yeah totally he just burned more fuel yeah I, I, i think about that too like i hear the shit with axel sometimes and i'm like dude you could give me fucking $20 million and a tri- private trading facility and all of the resources. I will never be able to do what that guy does. And, and so you got to give credit where credit's due. But going back to the uh, working through fear thing, I think it's interesting stuff to talk about because let's say in snowboarding, you're thinking about hitting a big jump, right? I think the, a lot of the anxiety lies in the, should I hit the jump? Like, should I go off of this thing? Fuck, it's big. Do you think I got it? That. But the minute that you're like, okay, then you make the commitment, still scary. But the moment that you turn your board sideways and you drop in towards the jump, the mm. fear goes away. I think I'd imagine Tyler says the same thing. Like the moment that he turns his bike and points it towards the fucking jump, the fear goes away. It's the it's the thinking about it that is like causes way more strain, mm-hmm. and the the indecision causes way more strain. You know, that's where I think all the anxiety lives. And then once you actually do the fucking thing, and then again to to add to that, my I remember you know when I was peak snowboarding when I was in it, like I filmed the X Games real snow part. And that was when I was like really locked in. And um, I just remember like my drive to get the trick Mm. far outweighed my fear of getting hurt. And in addition to that, like even if I got hurt, it still felt better to be driving home, fucking icing my shoulder or whatever the fuck I got hurt than, than the, the pain of not trying it when I knew I could do it. Mm. And so I think that, that I'm sure Tyler has some of that going on as well. 
Yeah. Like you want it so bad that nothing's going to stop you. You know, look at a fucking drug addict. Like, right? Like, like how bad do you want it? Like if somebody's a fucking full-blown heroin addict, they got no money, they got no house. They're getting drugs. They're getting their fucking drugs. It's the same when you're trying to get a clip snowboarding, you know? Like you'll find a way if you want it bad enough. I think there's some, you know, that that's something that always resonated with me. Dude, I completely agree. And I, I started saying a couple of years ago that you get what you want. You just aren't always honest with yourself about what you want. Yeah. In terms of the way you talk to yourself, right? Yeah. Like if you're overweight, you want to be overweight. You don't want to say that to yourself. Yeah. You know, that's fucking hard to have that conversation. Like people are sick and there's a, like a, you know, you you go to a doctor and a doctor says, hey man, like you've got this fucking heart condition if you don't change your diet and if you don't change your lifestyle, then like you're going to die. You'll have a heart attack. That's just how this works. And then you keep eating the same way and you don't, you want that. Mm-hmm. You want it. You might have a conversation with your wife that says you don't want that. You might have a conversation with yourself that says I'm going to do it, but you don't want it. Like you get what you want in, in your life. And you know, like the drug addict is a perfect example of like, they want to do the drugs like they are going to get the drugs tyler berriman wants to be one of the gnarliest dudes in the world Mm -hmm. on a dirt bike like he fucking wants that and it's that same level of of well i guess it's like i think a lot of people might not be really clear about what they want on their life you know and and i had my first like time in america i wanted to be like a movie director i wanted to write like that's why I kind of came here and I was doing the action sports filming and then I started doing some music videos and commercials and I I just didn't I didn't get it because I didn't want it like re- like that was the thing that I said I wanted that was the story that I kind of believed yeah but the actions that I took in my life did not line up mm-hmm. with that you mm-hmm. know so I got exactly yeah. what I wanted totally and then when I found this I'd fucking did it you know, like the the level, and I'm, it'd be the same with you with the, you know, the stuff you've been through, but like the level of shit that I've put up with in my life, the level of discomfort, the level of like, when you said, where do you live? I'm like, I don't really live anywhere right now. Like that fucking sucks, yeah. you know, but I want this. I really enjoy this. This yep. is something like I've found something here. And it's like when you find what you want or when you're honest enough to, admit what you want then i think that's when things are really possible and i can be completely honest and say i don't want to win races that like i don't want it like at glen helen this weekend i didn't want it that bad like there's other guys and that's fucking rad like go you guys you know but it's like i can't lie to myself and say that i'm gonna do anything to win a fucking race i'm not i don't i don't want it that bad i have other things i want dude yeah i love that and i think that it's it's really cool when you hear people like jim carrey who've like done everything and then they're like hey guys it's not here and and i've i've had some experiences like that in my life. I remember, you know, like my whole career coming up, I was, you know, pro snowboarder, got last video, got last part in a major video. And then the next year I filmed X Games Real Snow. I won gold, got a crazy bonus, filmed a great video part that year. Tons of like, just on top of my game, the best I've ever ridden, making more money than I've ever made. 
and I, I'm at the quote unquote for me it was it was kind of the top of the, the top, top of, of the mountain, mountain. Yeah. and I was looking back down and I was miserable dude I was I was like hey guys like I almost want to be like it's fucking not up here guys like I, I've I've chased <laughs> yeah. it and it's not fucking here and and then you know I was doing more drugs than I've ever done I was boozing I was partying I was miserable and I think it was like you think like oh once once I achieve this then I'll be happy once I once I hit that then I'll be happy and and it's it's actually like it all it sounds fucking corny but it really it comes within in a sense and it's like oh i want to be happy once i get the house i'll be happy no actually once you get the house you'll have fucking more bills which will be yeah. more stressful <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's more about like how do you want to feel how do you want to how do you want to feel do you want what like a real goal is like for me i'm chasing inner peace yeah. i'm chasing happiness i'm doing things that align with my inner peace yeah right and like moto brings me great inner peace before i was chasing validation yeah and i was chasing approval and and you know filling an insecurity void of some sort we're getting really into the fucking weeds no, here I love but, it. I love but it. you Keep know it going. yeah so i think that part of it is is more like like the the happiest guy wins the most peaceful guy is the guy that's winning like the guy that's fucking hanging sheetrock that is higher happier than everybody else is much happier than the guy that's got i know more miserable rich people than you than i know fucking happy people that got two cents to rub together you know and i think it's it's all mindset you know the stuff you're talking about the mind is so powerful and and i i get really into you know like like i'm a big surrender guy you know like 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 it's like oh you're you're like something bad happens to you well well don't fight that like if you accept it and try to find why why did this happen to me mm. well it taught me what was the lesson here oh it taught me and then you go through bad relationship bad relationship then you you meet the person of your dreams and they those are all learning lessons along the way you know you know death great teacher you know you lose somebody you realize how precious life is mm. you know death is the best teacher when you lose somebody close to you and you're like shit man i i only got a little bit of time in this meat vessel here i gotta <laughs> yeah. fucking i gotta yeah. get it in while i'm here because it you know it, it goes like that and and it, what do i want to do while i'm here i want to fucking be happy huh? you know i don't know i don't know where we're going i'm just kind of no, rambling no. what when you like no i fully 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 relate like i spend so much of my life i'm like massive into meditation yep. like so that fully changed my life yep. like i 20 i'd say probably like 2019 i had like a huge shift where that clicked on yep. that level and uh and really like ego like understanding ego and then ever since then my life has been my first priority is just basically like trying to look through my ego mm-hmm. and see like where's the ego in this where's mm-hmm. the ego in this where's the ego in that like and try not to be hard on myself because it's just we we are an ego yes. you know like that's what you that's the interf- like you interface with the world with your ego yeah and you can yep. be a real successful ego you can be a real shitty ego you can be real extremely humble like naturally we all have mm-hmm. a bit of a default state yeah. that's a result of our and life and it can be and, good in cer- cer- some circumstances well and you need it you like need you it. can't yeah. win a competition you can't be a professional snowboarder without having some sort of ego like Hayden Deegan has a crazy fucking ego you know you hang around Jet and Hunter Lawrence they have a crazy ego in the sense of they want to win like all the time everything's a competition when I do jiu-jitsu I'm like zero dark 30 like there's no fucking there's nothing in my eyes like it is dead and that's that's like ego you know you're in some zone 
fucking doing like i don't care who it's against whether it's my fucking wife or whatever it's like i'm going to that place there's something that's there ego wise that i fucking have that competitive kind of desire right so it's like how do you that again it's diminishing returns like how do you understand your ego to use it as a tool and at the first podcast with Berriman, i said your ego is like a hammer you can hit some cunt in the head with it or you can build a house yeah <laughs> you know yeah like it's just a tool 100. to be used and understood but i think that probably the what you're talking about when you most successful most money top of the mountain unhappy as fuck you probably just didn't understand your own relationship with ego. You probably didn't understand your own ego. You didn't understand yes. the role that it played in your yep. life. Like, And a lot of times I think, and this is why I think you get to like 27, 28, 29, you've kind of just like lived as an ego. Like that's it. Yeah. You've only lived as an ego and you haven't had something kind of like break the mirror in a sense. And then it's like, I know some people that didn't have that happen until they were like 40. Yeah. And then they just didn't have the tools to deal with it. Like a friend of mine had a really rough breakup. He was like, you know, 38, 39. The coolest cunt in the world. Hot. Fucking get all the chicks that he wanted. Won all these races. Was the fucking man. And then he got dumped by this chick. And it was literally the first hit to his ego Mm -hmm. in his life. Watched it in real time. Mm -hmm. And it was really, really hard for him to recover from, you know. But yeah, so I guess when you were in that zone, you probably just never really had to stare your ego in the face. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I mean, life... It's like some of the times the best thing that happened to you is when life kicks you in the balls. Fuck yeah, hundred percent. But in that point, you know you're on this arc. You get paid six, like well in the six figures early in your twenties, and you're making money. I bought a Cadillac. Like I was driving around. Like people are telling you you're the shit, and you think you you're believe the shit. it. You yeah. believe it. There's no evidence <laughs> to the contrary. <laughs> There's no evidence, <laughs> and you're a fucking dickhead. And people met me back in the day. They're like, man, you were a fucking dickhead. I'm like, yeah, I. I I know I was, I was, I was, I I, I got no argument, but then, you know, you know, like a girlfriend leaves you. That's great. Right. Uh, you need a cut or you get, is it good? Oh yeah. So So, yeah, you know, for example, where it's good is when you're strapped in on top of a rail or a jump and you're like, I'm supposed to be here. I, I am that guy Yeah. where it's bad. Like the ego loves to be right. So if you're, if you're, in an argument and you're so close-minded that's ego yeah. you know and yeah. and the opposite of that you know that's not going to work in a relationship yeah. open-mindedness is kind of the opposite to the ego in a lot of senses and that's that's huge but you don't learn any of that stuff until you get older i, I would throw a wreck on here if we're, with all this ego talk i read um ryan holiday ego's yeah, enemy. enemy yeah you read yeah. that yeah great fucking book yeah yeah i had a i've spoke about it a bunch of times so for people who have heard the story fucking apologies but i had a moment so there's another book if you like reading that sort of stuff waking up by sam harris that is, okay that's the book that fully just changed my life but i was i was in the studio and i i built this really dope studio in australia we got a warehouse and i was like fucking i'm gonna build like the joe rogan of australia studio and i'm in the studio and we start it started doing good and I remember I'd, I'd done a show and I was thinking like, I kind of, kind of said some shit. And I was like, ah, it made me sound fucking lame. Like, and my whole goal was to not look like I had an ego. 
and then I was like, I read Ego is the Enemy and I read um, Waking Up and I was, I'd been meditating for a couple years, but I'd say unsuccessfully in a sense. And then I kind of just, all of that whole ego talk and then it made me concentrate on not wanting to have an ego. And then I just literally had like a fucking bam, like a hammer to the face. It's all ego. Mm-hmm. Like wanting to not have an ego is about the most egotistical thing mm-hmm. that you could possibly do. And it just, I, it was like a full, like a ego death, like a drug ego death, you know? And from then on, like it just fully changed everything. Like I, it changed the way like meditation started getting a little bit better. And then I just, I got on this, that path of, I guess life become a meditation in a sense of like, where is the ego in this? Because when you're if you are successfully meditating or whatever, it's like you can see through the ego. It still comes. Everything still comes up the way that it comes up. You still have the thoughts that you have that are very egotistical. But if you're not identified with it, if you're not this like one to one, if you you know you're not your ego, and then you can start to live through that way. But until you kind of have that moment and no one really does teach you i think it's obviously getting a bit more prevalent these yeah. days but well people can tell you a million times until it, you live it you it's like sometimes you just have to go through shit yeah. you know and i think that's important I, one particular that comes to mind was i rode for monster for a long time and i got dropped kind of to me it felt out of the blue i felt like i was still doing great on my board and all that stuff and and i realized my 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 sense of self-worth was highly attached. So tied to was that. so tied to me being a pro snowboarder. And and so when somebody tells you you're not valuable, fuck, then you get into that. Your ego just starts fucking, you know, you start wrestling with that. I am worth it. And then you got to go inward. And, and all the answers are inside. We, we have them all. They're all in. You just, it's, it's the external world doesn't make our... You know, if everything doesn't have to be perfect in our external world, that's not going to make us happy. It's 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 all it's internal. If you if you're if you believe you're happy, if you believe you're peaceful, if you are peaceful, mm. then nothing can rock you. But when you're you need things to be a certain way to be yeah. okay, yeah. Then yeah. all of a sudden, when things aren't a certain way, you know. But humans are naturally inherently narcissistic we think about the world and how it pertains to us yeah what do i want to eat today yeah what do, where do i want to go today where yeah. do i want you know and that's that's natural that's just natural for survival you know the best way that i or one of the easiest ways that i ever heard the ego described is basically the ego is there to get you more of what you want and less of what you don't mm. so like if you're a person that's listening to this and it's not something like it's thoughts you haven't really had that much before like that's probably the easiest way to think about it and that that goes directly to what you said of like what do i want like it's the external world so we have like this internal world we have this internal dialogue this internal conversation that's the ego like that whole sense of self that whole clock that's running yeah and the conversation that's going like ah fuck i'm tired i don't really want this or i'm not gonna go for a run or i don't my fuck my diet i'm gonna do this or fuck that person that they shouldn't have said that to me like i they can't talk to me like that so any of the more of what you want less of what you don't like that's like the easiest kind of way to decode it in Mm -hmm. a sense and you know uh, me and my wife would talk about all the time but i just sometimes i say exactly that to her it's like just let them the moment is what it is man like the world doesn't give a fuck about you like there's all this shit you go back to rewind to the big bang just fucking hit rewind on the universe at a 
million light years a second. And then it's like that starts and all this shit just happens. And like at the point that the causal structure that's affecting you right now started was millions and millions and millions of years. Like no one gives a fuck. Yeah. It's just not, this isn't personal. It has personal. nothing to do with you. Yeah, this isn't personal. <laughs> this is happening to yeah. you because you were born 30 years ago in this exact place yeah. on this exact time and you've fucking walked your life. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Like just release any of the like what you're holding on to of what you wish the world was mm-hmm. or what you wish the world wasn't because it doesn't fucking matter exactly. like you can't control that what you can control is your reaction to that thing and letting it go in that sense you know it's like the you just kind of have to give up the struggle yeah and and what you can control is going and throwing a leg over and hammering a 30 <laughs> and then all of a sudden none of the problems are problems anymore <laughs> yeah well that's the that's the biggest fucking key to all of this and and when when you're riding like when you're doing a 20 when you're yeah. surfing when you there's all these times in our life where we fully step out of our ego mm-hmm. and it's forced right yeah. and so you don't think that it's uh you there's an association of like oh i'm happy when i ride my dirt bike or i feel good when i surf or when i'm skating or when i'm getting fucked up with the boys cuz you kind of you're like situationally removed from your ego like that that's what flow state is the the conversation stops Mm -hmm. there is no ego you're just doing like your body is doing its thing and you're just a witness like you're just experiencing the thing that's happening but it's like that's an available state of consciousness yes at all times yes like you don't so we are so conditioned to to seek out these activities that they do that to me. Mm-hmm. And so you have like this relationship with snowboarding or you have this relationship with moto or this relationship with partying or this relationship with Netflix. Like you can sit in Netflix and not have any thoughts in your head, not have any of that ego present. But I think a lot of people don't understand. It's like that's available 24 seven. It's available like, walking your dog. It's yeah. available at any moment. Yeah. Conversations with the person. hundred like, percent. You know, yeah. being present with people like there are so many ways in which it is available you know but you're battling now nowadays in society it's just trickier because these mobile stress devices we have in our pocket (laughs) aka the cell phones which are beautiful because you get to facetime your loved ones and the technology brings people together in a lot of ways and listen to podcasts on them and music but a lot of times the social media apps are just there to take you from this present conversation into let me just fucking get a quick little little hit let me get a little quick hit and yeah. then and then you're fuck you're out of it you're, you're back in to, yeah you're back in the in the scroll hole and there's no scroll hole you know on the motocross track or you know walk it you know <laughs> no. or, or whatever you yeah. know yeah doing anything well and it's i think when you realize too like I th- and i think people are realizing more and more these days that society is not set up to help you in a sense like i remember growing up and thinking like go to school and you get a job and it's like society wants you to be good and you know like that you're going in this direction but there's so many ways in which like we're just a consumer we're just like buy new this new thing update to this iphone you know instagram is all about like dude i recently just had to do a huge cull of my instagram following because there was just pussy everywhere and i'm fucking married 
and I'm just like, bro, like this is not cool. Like this is not cool that I'm just being shown pussy 24 fucking seven. This is not helping my relationship. This is not helping my fucking mental state. Like this isn't cool. And it's the same as any ads that you get for, you know, whether it's new fucking clothes or whether it's new this or this new car or you need this new... It's like if you understand that society is set up a certain way and you can kind of... You should be able to choose when to like dip in and out of that. Like, hey, bike parts, let's fucking go. Like there's something there for me. Like I love watches as well, you know? So it's like I have something there, but everything else like let's fucking dip out of this. Let's understand that we're you're there to be made money of in a yeah. in a pretty massive way when it mm-hmm. comes to you know just generally walking around in your day-to-day life you know yeah absolutely yeah and and going back to you know sometimes thinking about like you know when you truly love something like i actually think some certain things can help bring you joy yeah. you know like i'll just say this for example you know a snowboard a skateboard uh you know, my dirt bike, like those things enhance they my life. They add to you. They add life. to my yeah, life. Yeah, so you, yeah. there are things you can buy that add to your life. For sure. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of things that, that don't. However, you know, my life is, is, and you could, you could argue that you could probably get that too without any of that if you went deep in meditation. For sure. Or, you, you know, can, 100%. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. for me, fucking dude, I walk by the bike on the stand and I see it on my way out to my truck in the morning. Yeah. Like, God, that thing looks good. I got a fucking six cans SC1 on that son of a bitch right now. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, so like, like even I always, I would even always tell my lady, you're like, well, even if I was hurt and I couldn't ride, I'd still want a bike on the stand in the garage. Yeah. Cause it just looks good. Yeah. And, it, and I love it. It's the same. There's like the people that buy the car to fill the insecurity. And there's the people that buy the car that know everything about the yes. way it was made and they fucking love it, you know? Yeah there's yeah so no no i completely agree and i think that it's coming down to just like being intentional about your life yeah i like Like, that and i think that's like the thing that i try and keep top of mind because yeah i'm you can kind of get caught in that trap pretty pretty easily so it's like yeah i know the things that add to my life and i know the places where i'm like fully down to spend the money and to like because it kind of is adding to that you know satisfaction Mm -hmm. or whatever yeah i just think it's like that general awareness of like being super intentional about like where you spend your time what because you think about like life is about attention like you have you have the ability to pay attention and what you pay attention to is pretty well correlated to like where your life will go you know and i think that when you talk about like the fucking stress devices in your in your pocket it's like they're kind of designed in a way to maybe divert your attention Mm -hmm. in a sense you know so it's like what are you what are you paying attention to who are you paying attention to that's kind of going to be who you are yeah 100 percent. yeah i like that a lot and what you do do and it's hard we have to we have to work to pay bills and Mm. and that gets stressful but when you're when you're like your truest self. I feel like, I feel like we are, we're fucking awesome beings, right? We're we're incredible beings. And when, when we're doing the things that really like fill us with joy, 
whether it's spending time with your kids or it can be anything, you're kind of like when you're overflowing with joy, you're kind of, it overflows into other people. Hell yeah. It's like, that's what I get off my dirt bike and I'm like, I don't know what's fun in that. I get off my snowboard. I'm I don't know what's funner than I, I don't, I'm like, I'm like myself to my truest and sometimes work and can, can, drag you down yeah and, and i like that uh when you put your attention towards the things that bring you great joy fucking i think you can overflow your bucket into other people's shit you know? oh that's such a like a cliche saying is like you can't fill from an empty cup yeah it's so fucking true yeah it's yeah. like insanely mm-hmm. true like there's a there's a effect that you can have on people like so dude Tyler and Steve rocked up at the race on Saturday, right? Yeah. And so we had three 20-minute races like back to back. But I was coming off the track dry reaching because I had so much fucking dirt in my throat. I couldn't get my helmet off. I got fucking snot bubbles coming down my face and in my beard. I'm like fully hurting. Mm -hmm. And then I see those boys and the fucking vibe that they gave. Oh, my God. Fully changed my entire perspective on like what my life was, Mm -hmm. you know. And that's two dudes that just rocked up and were fucking frothing. There's such a crazy impact that just Mm -hmm. a hugely positive vibe can have Mm -hmm. on other people around you. Oh, my God. You're going around the track. You got your buddy with the air horn. (laughs) You're you're throwing anchor. All of a sudden, you got got more in the tank. Uh, Yeah, 100%. I like that. Uh, that when, when you were talking about uh, like being at the top and being like miserable, what was the like disconnect there? Do you think like when you look back on it now? Well, it's interesting that you brought up ego because I think that was a lot of it because I was just doing a lot of self-serving activity. Like I thought the world revolved around me. Mm. You know, I was very self-seeking and, and a lot of things that really favor that, you know, I was drinking a lot in the, especially in the off season, you know, that, that cause I'm seven years sober. So, oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, so I, I drank, um, I, it's funny being a snowboarder because we're on salary year round. So we really only, but you only have to work for four six months, months out yeah. of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I would get my shit together in the winter and, you know, I would go hard for four months. And then the minute, you know, winter kind of winded down, I would just immediately rage like a maniac and i think there's some correlation between partying really hard you know the highs are really high in action sports Mm. and you're chasing that those these peak life experiences and i think that transfers right over to partying yeah because when you're booze you know you're you're getting you get that same hit when you're boozing and doing drugs and stuff like that so i think because you're kind of like pushing some limits yeah you're you're endorphins if you're doing it right (laughs) yeah yeah, you are totally (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. like i've pushed some fucking limits (laughs) where i'm like whoa this is not cool you're in a stranger's kitchen at fucking seven in the morning like where what are, what am i doing Dude, some armenian fucking drug dealers <laughs> yeah. with like a pile of cocaine yes. worth four hundred thousand yeah. dollars and fucking five armenian dudes rapping to eminem and yeah. just like yeah. who and where am i 100 <laughs> percent. yeah and then i think so for me where i got to that point was i just I think I was just living a, an egotistical, self-serving life. And I had had a bunch of concussions and I was partying a lot. And at the end of the day, I think I just didn't, I just didn't like who was looking back at me in the mirror. I was mm. just like, this guy's a fucking dick. You know, I'm not, I don't like this guy. So then, then I just, you know, I, you know, when you're trying to quit drinking and stuff like that, you're, you're like, all right, I'll, I'll, 
I'm not going to drink this week. And then fucking you say that on Monday, come Wednesday, you have a beer with dinner. And then next thing you know, it's five in the morning again. And I, I was in that, I was in that cycle. That's a cycle yeah. yeah. And I was just like, I, I would always be drinking and, and doing Coke and stuff. So that I like my spaghetti with my meatballs. I couldn't just do one at a time, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so then, then, um, I don't know if I'm really answering your question, but I'm just kind of elaborating no, on that. A, yeah. And, and so, yeah, basically I just got to this point where I just didn't, I just didn't like who I was. And then I ended up, I, I bet my buddy 300 bucks that I could quit drinking for a year. I'm like, cause I needed some type of, and, and if you really think about it, it's kind of prideful, like, fuck it. I'm, I'm so, I'm such a prideful prick yeah. that this fucking bet will get me through like not drinking for a year, which is what I ended up doing. And then, yeah. And then, then, you know, I, instead of, I really just kind of went more inward yeah. instead of um, seeking for joy in external experiences. It was more just like, okay, I got to work on myself and my relationship with myself and, and who do I even like myself? Right. And so then you, yeah. you go into that kind of space and it was cool. The addiction thing would be fucking gnarly to admit to yourself and to then like, there's a last time that you would have drank. There's a last time you did Coke. There's a like, and to have that conversation with yourself to be like, okay, I have an addiction. I have a problem. I can't do this. And then to actually do it. Like, cause I feel like I've probably got some shit in my life where if I never did it again, like my life would be better, but it's very, very, very hard to like have that honest conversation and fully commit to that thing, you know? Well, going back to the, you know, the, like for me, I, I, hurt some people I cared about. Right. So I, I had a, I had a lady I really cared about and I was not good to her and she left me. And so, you know, and it was because of my drinking and my drug use. And, and so that was, that was like, oh damn, this is causing damage. I think it's really, it's really good to be aware. Like, are you a person that can have a beer here and there yeah. and shut it down? Or are you somebody that couldn't? My, my dad quit drinking when I was a kid and we weren't from, you know, trying to make a body he ended up starting his own company out of our basement and he went from a guy that i fucking hated to a guy that i love hmm. so i saw i saw it and he has this quote that he said to me that i fucking love he's like everybody has a quota okay when it comes to boozing you got a fucking quota you're allotted a certain amount of beers in your life and yeah. and you can drink them over fucking five years or 60 years yeah, or 70 yeah, years yeah, right yeah. and so for me from like 16 to fucking 27 or whatever it was like I fucking ran through that quota. Yeah, you drank all the beers. And he was like, he basically says, he's like, once you hit your quota, you got two options. You either quit drinking or you fuck your life up. And he's from Massachusetts. You know, he's a hard-nosed motherfucker. So I, I always had that in the back of my mind because I'm like, all right, you know, at some point, this fucking gravy train's going to end because I'm flirting with disaster, you know? So yeah, that was easy. I think I had a good role model in that sense, watching my, my dad quit drinking. And and so it, it's always good. It's always good to check out if somebody's interested in like, Mm. man like see how life feels with both of them you know yeah. i don't know no it's cool man like i can imagine that that would be a pretty like gnarly decision to make in a sense or, or maybe it's just like a fucking hit and a jump where it's like the indecision's the thing that's hard it's like walking the once you've committed and walking the path maybe it changes once you actually make that decision yeah totally yeah exactly it, it is exactly like hitting it's just committing oh like yeah. it's not like oh maybe i won't i was just like dude i'm not drinking for a year 
And then that year went by and I was like, I feel good, dude. I bought a cabin in the mountains. Me and my buddy split a cabin for 55 grand each up in the mountains of Utah. And I had so much anxious fucking energy from not boozing all summer, not drinking. We have, you know, we're, we, I don't have it. Let me check my calendar for the whole summer. Oh, I got fucking nothing on there, right? Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a great life as a snowboarder. So um, what I, we ended up doing is building a skateboard park at our cabin in rural Utah. Um, and I spent like every day, four months, just going up there, tying rebar. You know, me and my, my friends do concrete. I learned how to finish concrete. Ended up actually doing a small concrete business on the side after that. But um, so we we built this this whole skate park. But I think what it came from is like I was I was so uncomfortable in my own skin mm. that I let I drank so I would feel more comfortable in my skin in a sense, right? So then then I kind of went to do the things to make me feel comfortable in my own skin and worked through, you know, dude, I did all kinds of crazy shit. I've been on a crazy journey, you know, like I did fucking ketamine therapy where they inject you with four grams of ketamine. You go to a fucking, you go to a whole nother place. I've done normal therapy. I've done all kinds of breath work and, um, you know, all kinds of stuff with, um, you know, energy work and, and started going kind of on a more of a spiritual journey and worked on, you know, releasing some stuff, you know, like sometimes you do just simple breath work, guided breath work. I've mm. like thrown up into a bucket from breathing heavy, you really? know? Yeah. Cause I went back to some shit when I was a kid that I thought I, you know, I didn't even realize was a thing that happened to me. And you start working through that stuff. Next thing you know, you're like, damn, I've been holding on to some shit. A lot of that's a lot of the like uncomfortable stuff comes from something that you were holding on to from when you're a fucking kid, you hold on to your, you all of a sudden you let go of some of that shit and you're like, damn, I feel lighter, you know? And so, Dude, for so real. it's kind of cool to go on, on just, I like sniffing out the mystical stuff sometimes and just seeing, seeing what's over there. And, and, uh, some of it works, some of it doesn't, but yeah, man, it's so fucking true. Like I, um, I've, I kind of like recently had some, like, a it's hard to say like rock bottom, but like in definitely like an aspect of my life, I kind of like bottomed out and it was, like and it, it kind of came from something that uh you know when i really looked at it i was like damn I, I ended up having a conversation with my mom it was about something i saw when i was a kid basically yep. i kind of had this thought like maybe like a year or so ago or like two years i was like man like uh, you yeah, had that memory and then i was like that's kind of fucking gnarly but I, and i could remember it super clearly and then and it took me up until recently to like kind of talk to my mom about it and i was like hey kind of like had this memory I feel like it fucked me up. <laughs> like now that I'm like married and me and my wife are like having all these, we're, there's, there's a lot of conversations. There's a lot of like when you're with someone and that it's it, you kind of you do a fair bit of work with that person to make sure that it stays it, you know? And, uh, and then, yeah, like it kind of really fucked me up in a sense. Like it brought a lot of shit to the front of my mind. It brought a lot of, made a lot of things make sense a lot of decisions that i'd made a lot of like validation that i was chasing a lot of like crazy insecurities and anxieties that i'd carried my whole fucking life and then when i started talking to my wife about it and we started working through like it turns out that i probably just shouldn't have been worried about a lot of this stuff like a lot of the things that like you were saying uncomfortable in your skin like i was really uncomfortable in certain ways and there were some things that i was really insecure about that my wife didn't give a fuck about you know and it was like just opening up having those conversations doing that work like the last couple months has been 
like really good in a lot of the areas that had caused me like a lot of problems in my life you know but it sort of took to like having some really shit like what i thought would be really shitty hard awkward fucked up conversations that kind of just have made my life a fair bit better you know Mm -hmm. yeah i mean going back to fear those conversations are scary too going towards those it's just kind of the same thing and you know it's it's interesting as dudes it's kind of like there's there's a bit of a macho culture in the sense like be a fucking man don't talk don't whatever and i and i think that i mean in some ways i look at being a man oh this thing like is scary to take a look at well, fucking hit the jump, yeah, fucking yeah, go, yeah. go towards it, then, right? That's being, that's kind of being a man, and, and I think that there is like, yeah, there, there's, there's, there's a fine line. Like, there's, there's definitely like some people that are that take the role of the victim pretty aggressively, and you yeah. know, use that. And, and I think it's like our parents' generation was just like, we fucking just bury everything and don't ever bring it up and whatever, and and then we're cracking open a little bit, and then then they, there's a young generation where it almost it almost the pendulum swings a little too way much, too far. way too far. I went to a Doja Cat concert Monday night, and I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> totally, but it's all yeah, it's all fun stuff to to talk about and go towards and whatever. Yeah, but it sort of it made me think a lot about like addiction and and that whole. Yeah, just like you've got to make a choice. It's um, like a commitment in a sense too, you know. I'll, I'll say this. So I, I went to, I did two years of AA, my my second and third year of sobriety. I, that really I, helped me in those years to kind of like figure out what was going on. It's I don't really go anymore, but it was wildly helpful in the early years. But all the people that were like really fucked up that kept coming back in the rooms over and over again, like every one of them had some fucked up trauma that mm. had happened to them something fucked right like when they were a kid like they the every like the the person that just couldn't they just kept falling off the horse and getting fucking went falling off the wagon and get run over by the wagon 40 <laughs> times dragged. they're getting dragged they you, you, know what I mean? you, you know we all have them. friends that we could probably think of like that yeah. right and it's like a lot but a lot of times you know the people that are in that space it's like it's something like when you're a kid, you know, went through whether it's seeing somebody like die or, you know, whatever, whatever fucking crazy trauma happens to your kid. And you don't don't until you kind of take a look at that. It's still going to it's going to be some baggage you carry around with you everywhere you go. So it's like we got these, you know, it's it's kind of cool to just like unload a couple things from the backpack here or there get your power to weight ratio up a little bit <laughs> yeah and then your lap times are looking better <laughs> yeah well and <laughs> and i think that that's the that's probably what i've learned as well about like being in a relationship yeah like that a good relation like you're engaged so you're kind of in that same headspace obviously but it's like a good relationship is a relationship where you can kind of work through that with people. Yeah. You kind of like my wife, she's fucking Russian. Like she was born in like a village in fucking Russia, basically. Like, so she's seen some crazy shit too. And you know, there's like this process that you go through with a person where I'm just like, okay, I just fully have to like accept her and this person. Like she's this person because of like all of these things. And it's like, over the last four and a bit years like we've just been working through a lot of that sort of shit and it's like you kind of need to oh that's a a great thing about a relationship is like okay you can have a person that you can almost do therapy with like we almost do therapy together like 
most nights you know where you're just having these conversations about those things because like you don't realize maybe how impactful certain moments were in your life and like how much you were holding on to certain things but yeah it was just like in that moment you just go it all just comes out like holy i did not realize that like i needed that or i needed to actually feel all that shit yeah it needed to come up yeah because you do just go through life like and especially as a dude just be like yeah fuck some shit happened you know yeah well and if you also like however you feel is normal but normal can be a variety, you know, normal can be like running at full anxiety, full stress, 24-7. Normal can also be like peace and happiness. But mm. you, whatever you're familiar with is what is how you feel. You don't know any different yeah. until until you, you know, unpack the backpack. We're getting into some fucking therapy talk, but it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. fun stuff to talk about. I, I, I enjoy talking about it. And I even think about too in some, maybe this is a little bit different because it's PTSD, but you know, when people say it's like bullshit to like that we store experiences and store them in our bodies and stuff like that. Like think about, you know, a, v- a Vietnam vet that goes over, you know, and all of a sudden fireworks go off and they go into a full blown panic attack. What is that? You know, that's a stored experience in your body. Yeah. That that's your com- nervous comes system. Up. Yeah. That's like, and that's where you realize like, and I think that's what's cool with meditation is like, you realize that you're a you're something else before your ego Mm -hmm. like your ego is almost like the tip of the iceberg you know like the meme where you've got like the iceberg what people see what's actually yeah good yeah like your ego is like just that top bit Mm -hmm. your nervous system is the fucking is in control of all that shit Mm -hmm. and you know like that anxiety that you'd feel or that ptsd like that's a person that went through their body physically went through something like their nervous system like Mm -hmm. every fucking neuron and synapse like experience that and you don't have access to that as an ego like the ego doesn't the ego doesn't control the heartbeat the ego doesn't control blood flow the ego like there's so much that you don't have autonomy over and yeah that's where those things happen is like it's stored there it was Mm -hmm. happened it's like burned into the nervous system fireworks go off and then it triggers that response in mm-hmm. in your body because yeah you're not your ego we we aren't like we have a feeling that we're just looking through like windows in our head no that's not how this shit works like you're not back here looking through there there's like light that's hitting your fucking retina that's then going through these this optic nerve to your brain and then that you know so we are not what we think we are and that's why we don't have the level of control over those kind of experiences that we would think we do you know absolutely yeah absolutely holy shit we're fucking deep we yeah we just went we just went to the depths we went to the depths that was fun (laughs) that was fun shit should we talk about some light-hearted stuff sure yeah let's do it what how long have you been doing bomb hole three and a half years and what triggered that um what triggered that well you know a few years prior i was i got the podcast equipment i was gonna do it but i was still really in my prime and i was like i can't do both and then you know snowboarding started you know there's these young kids they're fucking insane and i i always felt as though you know who doesn't want to have a podcast it's fun we're having a great conversation there's a reason there's two million of them and specifically in the snowboard space we didn't really have a rock solid podcast like there wasn't there wasn't the podcast. There's a few people doing it, but they weren't really doing it well, in my opinion. And then um, 
actually going back to all this stuff, like it's kind of funny thinking about it now. Um, I was on a trip with my friend Eastone, who's no longer a part of the show, but we, uh, we, we, I was, I had the plans to start one and I was like, who's going to be the co-host? Who's gonna be, Eastone, do you want to do it with me? And we were in Kazakhstan and then we were talking about it and then we, I flew home and I went to Finland and then, um, I, while I was home, I had a, uh, I'm getting in the weeds with this, no, no, whatever. Do it, do it. I, uh, me and my ex-girlfriend were having hard times and she, she ended up leaving Uh, She's like, I'm breaking up with you. I fly to Finland, COVID hits. So it was really interesting. Like she moved all of her stuff out of my house. And then I flew back from Finland. It was crazy when COVID hit in Finland. It was like, everybody's got to leave the country. Like we changed our tickets at like two in the morning. Really, you know, every the airport's hectic. I'm over in Europe, in Finland, Northern Finland, trying to get back to the States, got back to the States and I came back to an empty house. And at that point- Like empty, empty? Like not empty, but like- She it, took a she, she made it, you know, like a, a woman makes a house yeah, a home. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm, like I'm like, I'll sleep on a fucking air mattress on the floor. Yeah. I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? But they make it cozy and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So like she, um, she basically left and then I had like all this, again, like, anxious energy like i said when i built the skate park i had i I had all this pent-up angst i needed to put towards something and you know i basically just took all that distracted myself with starting a show so i built a desk in my garage i got all the lights i've always filmed and edited skate videos and snowboard videos my whole life so i i like built the whole studio put it out i got all the stuff going checked figured out the names and all that stuff um and then we were, we just, it was COVID time. And so I just had all this kind of time on my hands. So we just dove right in. I think I was like, my, my way I went into it, I was like, I'm going to record, we're going to record 25 episodes. We're not going to look at analytics. Mm. We're just going to go every Wednesday for 25 weeks. And that's all we're going to focus on, making good shows. We're not going to look at the outcome. And we recorded four. And then one of them was my friend, Justin Benny, who hadn't, um, he had kind of like disappeared for a while and he got mm. on some drugs. It was one of those like kind of where is he now kind of guys. And he was a legend. He was on Nike, high paid snowboarder. So kind of like J-Lo spec. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So he came on. Shit, man. You got any water? Uh, I'll go get you one. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Is that okay to cut? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I don't no, know no, if no, we, no. I wasn't sure about the cuts. I'm no, like, okay, yeah. no, we're good, we're good. I got a snooze in too. So I got to keep. The, yeah. I'll go grab it. Thank you. What a fun chat. It's been fucking awesome. Yeah. Can I keep this on the desk or no? Fuck yeah. Do whatever you want. You're the guest. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, we just go fucking wherever. Yeah, I love it. It's so fun. Uh, Where are we? I guess it doesn't matter. Okay. So your friend, Jay Will Speck. Okay. Yep. I'm going to take my snooze out. Just keep it on the desk if you want, so good. Keep it on the desk? Yeah. Cool. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, so my friend Justin Benny came on. He told his story, and uh, and it was it was captivating. It was really powerful. It, I was like, damn, this to me felt like, that felt like a good podcast. You yeah. Know? And we put it out. Like, so objectively, that was right. I was like, I think, I, I'm like, I don't know. Like, to me, it felt like we just did a good podcast. I don't know, though. Seemed like a powerful conversation. And, um, so basically we put our first one out, we had four in the vault and I remember like it went crazy, man. Like it was, it was, I mean, not 
crazy, but crazy for our expectations. Yeah. Like 10,000 views, 10,000 listens, first episode, which I was just like, oh shit. And more people were hitting me up for about this than like even videos that I had, some of my best video parts. And it felt like we were kind of filling a void. And so it was kind of cool. Like, right, we just hit the ground running and just didn't stop really. So yeah. it's been super fun, as you know. And then right at the COVID time too you know like people the content was just crazy at that point in time you know yeah absolutely and we had a captive audience and i think there's a there's a number of things that we had kind of intention with on that like you know one was like if you listen to all of our episodes we don't fucking talk about covid the entire time we don't talk about like any of like in my opinion it was so polarized by two different opinions of you know sides yeah. right and it just made people just it brought the worst it was out yuck. it brought the worst yeah. out in people right yeah. so i was like intentionally like let's just take a break from all the bullshit and talk about what we love and then i think to add to it you know going through recovery and aa i've sat in these rooms and i've heard people you know, talk about their problems. And I'm sitting there internalizing all my problems. I'm like, holy fuck, this guy's got the same problems I do. And this guy's got the same problems I do. And I'm like, oh, we all got the same fucking problems, like, or whatever. So I was like kind of in this space where I felt as though, you know, taking that approach where people are real and honest and talking about shit they went through. And and uh, so I think I was a good, and Ethan, you know, my ex-partner was like, he's so fucking funny. You know, we had a blast. So yeah, it was it was cool. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that I learned through doing the podcast was that as well, like people don't really have access to mentors, like the average person, you know, like Mm -hmm. you're talking about like the, I don't don't even really know how you'd say it. Maybe just leave it. The average person. They they, they don't like you fucking can block like all the all the big names that you know and have access to, you're like on a level with those people, like a very human level. There's like very mutual respect. And when people talk in that way, that is something that not a lot of people have access to, you know, Mm -hmm. like for me to have a three hour conversation with you, a three hour conversation with Travis Pastrana, like you're someone's fucking hero. And to just be on like a very mutual level with that person and have that conversation like that's a a conversation a fan could almost never have in a sense so it's like to give people that kind of conversation with their heroes every single week is such a crazy cool position to be in you know and i think that's kind of almost what shows like ours sort of do is it's just you bring people on like this human level and give them access to someone they would never actually get access to in a way that they could never have you know like there's i would say if i have one fucking talent in life it's not being starstruck <laughs> yeah <know>? totally <laughs> it's like well, that happens with the podcast yeah 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 and and i think you need that to do a good podcast you know yeah. and like a fan of like let's say you're a travis pastrana super yep. fan or a ricky like you cannot have a normal conversation like there's too much going on internally like you're freaking the fuck mm-hmm. out so it's like you you actually even if you got three hours you couldn't have that conversation mm-hmm. so i think that was like one of the things i saw pretty on early on where i was like oh i could do this like i yeah. could just have that normal conversation yeah. and give people this access that they just don't have otherwise mm-hmm. and a couple of things there like i was starstruck the first couple of times i interviewed big name people that weren't my friends and i was and then i realized i'm like 
Oh, these motherfuckers are just like me. Yeah, it's the same they're shit. The same, these guys yeah. are the same as me. They want they, to be on they, your they, show. They're, yeah, they're, they're like, and then all of a sudden you realize like whether it's fucking Sean White or Travis Pastrana or whatever, that, like we're, as humans, we're all the same. There's no difference. And the thing that's we're so lucky to have as podcast hosts is like when I got a brilliant mind sitting there and I got Ken Block sitting there and who's, you know, it was a dear friend after the show. Yeah. But like, I want to pick his brain about marketing. I want to pick his yeah. brain about, I want to like, if I got a fucking guy here that I can get some for my own selfish <laughs> needs, like yeah. I, I'm curious. And I also think it's, it's a, a superpower that I think a lot of humans don't realize is a superpower is being genuinely interested for in other sure. people. For sure. Like it, we, we have so much and we don't realize it, but it's a superpower. Like if you're really interested in, in, in other people, you're going to nourish these relationships with them because they're, they're going to be like, wow, this guy actually gives a shit what I say. He actually cares about what I'm saying. And that, that's something I think that as a podcast host, you, you end up, you know, learning a lot about people and generally being interested. It's really fun. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think we're super lucky to have the job that we have. Like, it's crazy that we live in a time where we can both make money doing something that I would love to do for free. Yeah. You know, and I, I've, the other thing I think about as well with like the podcast that I've tried to just leak into all of my life is like, okay, so I love this. <laughs> like, this is really fun. I get something out of this. You get something out of this. The people who listen get something out of this. It's like, there's like a circle here of yep. everyone kind of winning. Yep. And I started winning the most in my life when I started focusing on that as being the, you know what I mean? Like that's first and foremost is like, I want them to have a great experience. If, if the, if the guest has a great experience then the audience is going to have a great experience. That's why like, I don't really care what we talk about. You know, like we just went on a fucking crazy tangent. None of that's planned. None, you know what I mean? Like none of what we just spoke about is something that we knew we were going to yep. talk about, but you're like, this is a fucking great chat. Cool. I'm good with that. You know? Yep. And it's like, I think, then that's put that's like leaked over into other places in my life because I, I think that it's not very often you you kind of get in this transactional relationship where everyone wins. Mm-hmm. I felt like a lot of times in my life before it was either me trying to just like take from people and not in a I hope that doesn't sound wrong, but like I've worked for the job. I'm just there to take money from that guy. Mm-hmm. I'll do the thing that he wants to do so that I get that money. And mm-hmm. I, I wasn't really giving a fuck about him winning in his life in the most, you know, like the most extreme sense of it. Or, you know, in relationships, you can be a little bit less thinking about the other person. So yeah. I don't, it, it really did change the way that I looked at like what a successful I don't know, venture was, is like, is everybody winning here? Mm-hmm. Like, and if you can lead from that, like I, I've really started trying to lead with that. You yeah, know? that's great. That's great advice. And I think too, you know, coming from two avenues for me as a, as a pro snowboarder, the whole fucking thing is like, check me out. Yeah. Check out my tricks. Yeah. Check me out, whatever. Right. The magazines are putting you in the thing. You're the, it's, it's all, it's me. It's me, I, and, which is great because you you're you don't really only have to rely on yourself, which yeah. is great if you're wildly independent person like I was. I'm actually trying to get away from that, right? And so then with the podcast, instead of people coming up being like, "I like your tricks," they're like, 
I fucking know you, bro. Like, and you're <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And, and you're, or they're like, man, like we, I have a story that's pretty cool. Like we had, we had, um, Desiree Melanson on, uh, a women pros number. She was really early on and she talked about suicide. She, she had, you know, got really deep real quick talking about suicide. She opened up about it. And I heard this story about, uh, this guy told us about, so Lizard King, this guy was a, a, a skateboarder, right? And he's like, I'm going to listen to the Lizard King podcast that we did. So he listens to Lizard and he goes out to the bar and he's like, I'm going to kill myself when I get home. And then he gets home and the thing had auto populated to Desiree's podcast. And it had gone no. right to where Desiree had talked about suicide. And so this guy, he reaches out to us and he's like, dude, thank you so much. Here's my story. This is what happened. Like, I think this really could have maybe saved my life or whatever. Or sometimes you hear, you know, I talk about sobriety and people are like, I've taken a change and, and I don't fucking push sobriety on people. I just share my experiences. Fucking have one for me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I can't, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. but it's cool. Instead of just inspiring someone through your tricks or you can, you can, you know, our, our mantra or not our mantra, our, our mission statement at the bomb hole is to build and strengthen the community through humor, authenticity, and common struggles. That's and, so cool. And it's just like, okay, is it aligned with that? Cool. Let's do that. Hmm. You That's know? awesome. Yeah. So when, when did that, uh, like, I guess, when did you sit and write that? Like, that's a very intentional thing to do. Uh, pretty early on. Yeah. yeah. Well, all of a sudden, you know, we had, we had a few, you know, we had an editor that we were working with and shipping guy and we wanted to, you know, I'm talking to my friends that have great successful businesses of which I do, you know, I, I like asking for advice and they're like, well, you should have a mission statement. I'm like, okay. So I, I sat on that. Yeah. It's kind of helps have, have a, have a North star where your compass can always be like, is this aligned with us? No. Nope. Mm. Okay, cool. We don't have to do it. And if it's not a fuck yes, then it's a no. Yeah, dude. I love that, man. Yeah. Like I, that's a, that's such a good, uh, that's such a great thing to have in, in your back pocket at mm -hmm. all times. Like if it's not a fuck yes, it's a fuck no. Mm -hmm. And I've used that recently and like with some friends and stuff, like even little business things like, well, I, for a good example, I got asked to do a podcast with a friend, like a very successful friend that an Amazon was like, we'll give you this much money and I would have got half of it. There's more money than I'd ever, there was more, I would have had more money deposited in my bank account than I'd ever had in my bank account in my entire life. And I was talking to my friend and I'm like, you're pretty fucking busy. Like, do you think that this is something that you want to do? Like, we're really good friends right now. Do you really want me calling you in different time zones being like, we got to fucking do this thing. And I just fully like talked him out of it in the sense of like, not talked to me. I said, this is the reality of this situation. And I just said to him, I was like, if it's not a, if it's a fuck yes, I'll do that. If it's not, if you're not saying fuck yes, then you're saying fuck no. And he was just like, yeah, fuck no, I'm not doing it. And I, and I it was just like this instant, there goes like a fuckload of money for me. And I'm like, sweet. Like that is actually the perfect thing to do right now mm -hmm. because it ain't a fuck yes. Don't, yeah. don't do the things in your life that you're not, your dick isn't rock hard for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? I, I, would, I also like to think about like intuition. I know that's a weird yeah. word for some people, but you know the answers. You know if you're supposed to do something, you know if you're not. You get clear on it. You know in your body, you're like, this feels right. I, I feel, but sometimes you try to talk your way through it. For sure. Like, it doesn't do. feel right. But you're like, yeah, I could do this, I could do that. And, and that's what he was, right. that's what he was doing. Yeah. And I could hear the tone. And yeah. he's like, ah, oh, we could do this. And like, but if we made it work, I'm like, brother, brother, 
I fucking know you, bro. I know you. All right. This isn't a thing that like it was 40 something episodes. And I'm like, it's really fucking hard yeah. to do that. Yeah. Like I've done a lot of these and yeah. it's like really fucking hard mm-hmm. to do. So, you know, it's just like, yeah, have that. Have That's such a great thing to have in your pocket. Mm-hmm. If it's not a fuck yes, it's yeah. a fuck no. Totally. Yeah, and that's another thing about podcasts too. It's like to do a consistent chasing your tail weekly content like it takes a tremendous amount of effort to do mm. to do it well you know and it's worth it it's fun as shit yeah when, when so business wise it, it you saw it as a business pretty much straight away yeah right away yeah we ended up you know um yeah i mean we did maybe seven or eight episodes and they were like doing like it was crazy you know like it felt like my phone would blow up every time and you know we we kind of felt like it just disrupted the space pretty well. And then uh, Ryan Runke, who's our agent, reached out. And he's like, I, w- I want to be your guys' agent pretty early on. And, and all of a sudden we had sponsors coming in and, you know, and it's like, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. How do we, you know, what's an ad read? How do we f- figure out a value for that? And and so it's really fun. You know, you you think people figure it out with businesses. Like some, these guys got it all figured out. You're like nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's just winging it. And yeah. then like you, you get better over time, but like, at a certain point in time you're just fucking winging it trying to figure it out and yeah we just kept going now we have I think we have six employees and we have like a pretty big office six employees yeah because we have a shipping guy graphic designer yeah um we have uh our producer silk who changes angles in studio um we have uh jules is like our gm's you know coo she's like always doing the emails and all that so it's kind of a whole this whole machine that and so then now we have the power like the bandwidth to kind of like yeah. rips rip shit up you know yeah that's awesome yeah. yeah it's it's interesting to me like i don't have many people that i can that i can talk to that have like a similar level of yep. deal you know what i mean like i think even you were saying like let's talk fucking podcast yeah like, they want to call you and just pick your brain yeah Dude, yeah no i love it and it's the same you know it's the same for me like so we got uh, we got two full-time staff, um, two boys that, that it's cool. They both started working for me out of school. So they were both in 12th grade, moto kids. Like they just made moto edits. And so I'd see it come up on my Instagram. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to like follow that kid and, mm-hmm. you know, talk to him. But yeah, so they, they started working for us. after. So I had Rones, the first dude that started working. He started working for me after school in 12th grade. And then I'm basically like, he started getting ready to finish school. I'm like, all right, what do you want to do when you finish school? And he's like, oh, I'm thinking about going to uni. I'm thinking about doing this. And I basically was like, all right, there's a full-time job here if you want it and you can start whenever you want. Like if you want to go party for a little bit after school, then go do that. But if you want to work full-time, sweet. So he's been working full-time since literally the day he left school. He's like, ah, fuck it. I don't need a party. I'll start work. So he's been working for us and then one of his best mates did the same thing. So he was a year behind him in school. So like basically done. And then I've got uh, another, a young chick that she's in college at the moment and she's started doing some stuff. Cause I feel like every business needs a chick. Oh like yeah. Fucking dudes. It's just not, oh my God. You don't, too many dudes in a business. Yeah. It's not fucking cool. Yeah. People, we have Jules who's our GM and, and people ask me questions. I'm like, I don't know, man, I just work here. You guys got to ask Jules. She, <laughs> she, she knows all the answers. She's like organized. You know, I'm a creative. I got fucking a million ideas, but they're all over the place. She's just like perfectly structured, like, organized schedule boom 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 ad reads this that and and then i can just be a fucking idiot yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i'm wearing currently 
too many hats for the level of idiot that I am. So I'm like trying to get away from that. I would like to just, Mm -hmm. I fully acknowledge that I'm a fucking retard and (laughs) I need, I need that. So I'm trying to set that structure Mm -hmm. up because yeah, there's, there's a lot going on when you're doing this too, especially like consistently. I I always wonder, I wonder if you get this actually, like people will always come up to me and be like, bro, you're fucking killing it. Like, dude, so good. Like crushing it. And I'm like, the fuck are you watching <laughs> like, totally what do yeah. you what do you see dude because right now it feels like i'm just fucking chasing my tail around like an idiot you know but there is there's actually quite a lot of moving pieces in a business like this oh absolutely yeah i mean you get for us we have a t- bunch of ad reads but the brand's you know, we do these deals like months before and they want them on specific dates and then yeah. you're recording. I record way out early. So I'm recording in October for something that comes out in December. And really? we got to have our ads coming. Yeah. Yeah. I stack them up so then we can snowboard. I can kind of, I yeah. kind of like yeah. put them in the piggy bank and then, but yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot of moving parts, but it's also, you know, the, the minute that you're, when you're having fun, it shows like yeah. if, like for us, I always like, I'm like, let's just be dipshits. You know what I mean? Let's have, let's just do what makes us happy. Let's do the things. It doesn't even really need to make sense, but it's, it's, you know, that's how I look at it, you know? And like, if you give somebody a feeling, you make them laugh, you make them cry, you fucking, then you, then you got, you tell a good story. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been, it's definitely been one of the more rewarding things I've ever done. You know, and like I said before, like you kind of get what you want. Like I really want to do this. I really enjoy this. It's something like, yeah, my my mum made like a like a funny comment in the car the other day. Like, oh, God forbid you ever have to get a real job. And it's like, and I said to her, I was like, oh, no, this is my last ever job. Like I'm actually not doing another job. Like it's this and then I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do this until the day that I want to retire. And then the, hopefully that's it for me you know but i think that it's something really cool about this space is you kind of can do it for yeah. a really long time if you're genuine doing it for the right reasons and mm-hmm. it's in keeping that in mind of like i guess maybe if i was to have a mission statement it would be like create a win-win-win for like mm. me or, or uh like guest and audience you know yeah totally but it's like as long as you're doing that i just feel like it's something you can do for a really long yeah, last time totally yeah, I remember early on, my friend Hava connected me with this guy that did sales for a lot of the bigger podcasts. I think he worked for an agency that worked with like Rogan and Barstool, and and I just was I was just looking for some information. He didn't, I never worked with him or anything, but he's like, he he mentioned like, pardon my take, Rogan, some other big podcast. He's like, what do they all have in common? Like I don't. Know. He's like, they're unapologetically authentic, mm. and I was like, damn, okay, that's important. You know, you got to say what the fuck you think. You don't want some lobbed softball fucking limp dick podcast. Like that's the, <laughs> that, that happens. Like people yeah. get on, Oh, I don't want to fucking say anything. Cause I don't like care what people think of me. And I don't want to like rub. It's like, no, just that, that doesn't mean negative, but you just have to, you just have to be your fucking self. Say it with your chest. <laughs> you say it with your chest. Say it like you're in the lobby with your friends. Yeah. You talk the same way in the lobby with your friends as you do in this, in the studio and it works out. Yeah. But some people, they just fucking lock up. yeah yeah well i think too like you can uh it's funny so with this like i i was i got basically banned from the u.s so like i had to go home about that yeah and then i yeah so then i like i spent five years at home basically like trying to get back here and uh i couldn't go to any supercross races i was like i was out of the scene completely 
but had the biggest podcast. And so I was finding myself just saying whatever the fuck I I didn't have to see anyone in the pits. Yeah, I did, good point. You, you know, like I kind of didn't. I, there was like a no accountability. Oh, I don't have a media pass. Like, fuck it. I'm literally watching the race in the studio with my friends on the t- Like, what the fuck? I, there's nothing. There's no consequences in a sense mm-hmm. to that. And there would have been years where if I asked for a media pass at Supercross, they would not have given me one. They would have been like, sorry, bro. It's fucking over. But in the five years of like doing what you said, being authentic, saying what mm-hmm. I actually believe, like... I have genuinely have the sport's best interests at heart. Yeah. I got, there's shit I got wrong at times. I admit that. But it's like, you actually get to a level where you can be undeniable in the fact that if Supercross, if I, like I asked for a media pass, they give me one because it's like, it's fucking big. And yeah. everyone's listening and everyone, so it's like, and you can say what you want without that. And I think sometimes people pander because they they don't want to be cut off or they still want to get the media pass at X Games mm-hmm. or they want to be everyone's friend. and they, But it's like, hey, if you're genuine and you, you do this right, you can actually get to a level that you're going to get what you want no matter what. You've got your voice matters and you're like, people are going to hear you. People won't be able to shut you down. So it's like you can play the short game of like trying to say everything right don't piss everyone off don't piss off the industry don't but it's like that is actually the completely wrong way to look at it because if you spend enough time being authentic and doing what you believe then you're going to be able to do whatever you want a hundred percent yeah i feel like you'd have that same thing where you can call shit out in snowboarding exactly like in a way that other people will not do it because you've you own the platform it's your your own names attached to it, very visible, like fully accountable, and people would respect what you say. Yeah, yeah, and I think like whether it's moto, like moto or snowboarding, like we need people that are in the space that live and breathe the fucking shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, it, it's it's one of those things. Like if you look at snowboarding, like Nike tries to come in, they don't make any money, they fucking bail. Adidas tries to come in. They don't make any money. They fucking bail. And what's left are the people that truly Mm. live it and breathe it and give a fuck about it and are dedicated to whether there's a paycheck or not, they're going and doing it. Mm. And I think that that's what you need, whether it's moto, whether it's snowboarding. And when it comes to saying what you think, like my whole shtick has always just been like, dude, say whatever the fuck you think. People aren't thinking about you. They might think about you for five minutes while they listen on the podcast. They fucking turn it off. They go back to thinking about themselves. Like just yeah, 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 in yeah. your life in general. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, it's just like yeah. people, if you're sitting there stewing over, oh, did I say the right thing? Did I say the wrong thing? Nobody's thinking about you. Yeah, no one cares. And so it's like, I think that once you, I mean, I feel like that's that's how I view the world is that I don't think anybody's thinking, you know, really leaning over shit that I said so you just say it and then if you're yourself what's really unique is when people are actually themselves yeah when they're not trying to be somebody that they're not that's actually the most unique thing you can be in this world is yourself well and it's the easiest part to play Mm -hmm. you know like it's so much harder to be a I guess like a caricature of yourself yeah you know or like try and uh cultivate something it's like it's like lying like when you lie then you live in a different reality to everybody Mm -hmm. else like there's truth and that's where like everybody else is living yeah and when you lie you're living in your own 
little reality. And then everything that you think about is about like, oh, wait, is that, is that going to give up the lie? Is that going to fuck up the cover? Is that, mm-hmm. or like, or then you need to make up another story. And that, so it's like, when you're just yourself, it's fucking real easy to be that, to be let, that guy. Let me tell you something that's hard though. You know, it's, I got a snowboard podcast, okay? Moto comes up. The listeners, they don't want to hear about Moto. <sighs> Bro, I, can, I, I, I feel you. I can't be myself. I get in there and like I, they're always like, dude, no, Chris, don't talk. Don't do the Moto shit. And so that's sometimes where I got to, I got to like, be the per or I gotta, you gotta play the game a little I bit play the, i gotta dim my i gotta dim my moto light a little bit you yeah. know what i mean but if it makes you feel any better i have a jujitsu light <laughs> yeah. and all i get is comment like so there's like yeah. memes of me <laughs> on the fucking internet where like somebody will like cut someone talking about like oh and then I, my parents sold everything and then there's like someone's got a video and cut to me being like yeah dude jiu-jitsu like, <laughs> i'm just like fuck <laughs> no one wants to hear it yeah but so yeah you but are that's, right yeah we gotta you have to play that but hey but guess you, what i don't give a fuck sometimes i still yeah, talk about jiu-jitsu passion but you, your passion comes out when you talk about it. you get excited you jacked up that's what it's all about yeah no that's so funny that's very very relatable <laughs> i have to like really watch my shit sometimes you know troy troy the guy that uh um, that is our whatever our mindset person that, yeah, that yeah, Tyler yeah, and I work yeah. with. He'll be like, I noticed your excitement went way up when you were saying that. You should go towards that. And I'm like, <laughs> it's so fucking true. If you light up talking about something, like it's like, well, there, go towards that. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty pretty fucking simple decision mm-hmm. when it when it comes to that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool shit. I definitely. Uh, love the business side of the podcast more than i ever thought i would though mm-hmm. i wonder if you're the same where it's like i i work on this as a huge project and there's like a couple levels where there's one part where i like to be distracted from the fact that i'm talking about like deep personal shit and putting it out to fucking literally millions of people on youtube but there's a, a real element of like this is a really fun project of like building the business building the brand like optimizing you know like i my last slack message last night to my boys in australia was like hey how's everybody's computers running because i feel like we're not making content fast enough and if your computers are running slow like you got to fucking tell me you know so it's like the the project of the podcast as like a i don't even know i guess it is a business but i guess it's like i can go so deep on this thing and i can put so much energy like that i guess that nervous energy or like that angst that you were talking about like this is such an outlet for me to just Mm -hmm. like pour all of that shit into it and it's like details that you know you could not do that and the podcast would do very similar but it's like there's something so fun and rewarding about that side of it do you have that same kind of 110 percent. that's cool and and i think that the yeah, like it's cool just having a like a flag in the ground, right? Yeah. Like this is this is my thing. This is what we've been building. And I heard a quote from uh, Jeff Curl, who's one of the founders of Skull Candy. I think Stance Socks. But I was listening to a podcast with him, and he was just like, you know, a business is simple. It's just going. I've bo- and this guy's made more money than anybody knows what to do with. He's got like one of the biggest houses in Park City. This guy's like done. And so I'm I'm curious about his mindset. He's like, it's simple. You're just trying to get a group of cool people that you like working with and make something cool. That's mm. it. Like you're, or no, he says, he's like, all it is, I just love getting a group of talented people together 
and building something cool. Mm. And that's on a fundamental level, whether you're building a fucking suspension company or a snowboard company or a podcast, like bringing a cool group, group of people together or a talented group of people together and making something fucking cool. It's fun. Mm. Like I, I do Monday morning meetings and we, they're an hour and we bring our whole team in and I like Sunday nights. I'm, I'm like writing down motivational quotes and I'm rallying the troops and I'm, I'm like, guys, here's our roadmap to go from A to B and you know, let's have fun doing it. You know, we're loose. Like we have a mantra. We're loose with intent. We yeah. don't take ourselves too seriously. Like we have good times. And so I'm growing with all the, the, our teams growing together and we're just trying to have fun and build something cool. And I think it shows when you're, when you're having fun and you're doing something that you love. I think when you chase analytics, it shows and mm. when you're when you do things authentically it shows yeah yeah what's some of the things that or like advice you would give in, some- in this like let's say well just to me i guess let's just speak to like uh, your experience of the things that you've done with the podcast like what would be your best advice to somebody else that's got a business pod like it doesn't even have to be a podcast but just like business uh invest in people uh i think that's i think it's you know, I think that's really important too in, in like nourishing the relationships that we have in our life is mm. so important with everything, you know, care about people. I think that's really important. You're, you know, employees, it's, it's like, if you have employees, they're, they're putting food on their table because of you, like you get what you put out into them too. If you invest in them and you care about them, they're going to care about you and they're going to go 10 X as hard. You know, so I think for the employee thing, I, I have always, I've always had this thing where it's, this is pretty vague, but if, if the passion pours out of you, that's your North star, you mm. know, like follow the passion. Um, and yeah, I think, yeah, just, just trusting yourself is really important. You know, we know what we want to do. We know from right and wrong. We know what the right answer is. It's not talking ourselves out of that sometimes, even if it seems ludicrous, Mm. like you got some wild idea, but you're like, I don't know if somebody's going to think this or that. And you're like, but the passion pours out of you fucking, it doesn't even need to make sense. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like run through a wall smelling salts. Like let's fucking go. Yeah. 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 We started a smelling salt company. We, We got smelling salts on, um, we were, we watch hockey. Have you got any here? You know what? I didn't fucking bring. That is so dumb of me to not bring smelling salts. I, I had some. Tyler, I get. I got some yeah, of you off Mammoth. That was a rookie move. Yeah, Tyler is like a smelling salt addict. Fiend. Yeah, now. he's by. He's like he called. I talked to him last night. He's like, I bought three bricks. I already ripped through them. We just launched the brick. It's a three pack of smelling salts. So what smelling salts are? You crack them. You give a whiff. It's like um, uh, ammonia. And it basically kind of like wakes you up for a second. It's almost like smelling a nasty bottle of liquor. We're like, like, you know, it's kind of like 3000 times (laughs) more potent. (laughs) And we were watching hockey and I was like seeing all these hockey players hitting smelling salts. And me and my buddy Greg were like, we should get some smelling salts. Got them, did them on air once. Everybody loved it. And they kept doing them on air. Then we're like, let's start a smelling salt company as a joke, as a total joke. And it was like, Okay, what are we going to call it? Let's call it run through a wall smelling salts because these things make you want to run through a fucking wall. Yeah, like, for those who don't need doors. <laughs> yeah, for those who don't need doors, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we start this smelling salt company and all of a sudden we're selling seven smelling salts to every other product and we're just like, uh, we're just, they're flying off the shelf. We can't even keep them stocked and and it's it's a joke. The whole thing was a joke and, and I think that that's what's cool is like it shows we're having fun, we're being dipshits 
And no, nobody's going to be like, yes, there's an emerging smelling salt market. We need to, yeah, you know, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just being dipshits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's so cool. And I think that is like really good advice. Like that's I, my version of that would be the bike builds. Yeah. I fucking love it. Yep. Like exactly. it just, it spends so much time and it's so overkill. And I look at what everybody else in like that space would do. And it's like, we make them like this big elaborate story. And it's like, I'll fucking give the bike to this person a race. And then we'll go here with it. And it just becomes like this massive project. They always go fucking way later than we'll say that they'll be done. But like, I don't know, to me, I just fucking love that shit. Like that's such a fun, cool therapeutic like it's such a selfish endeavor but they this does awesome you know but it's it's if you're if other people are also enjoying it then that that's a good gate that's a win-win your audience is enjoying it you're enjoying doing it yeah i think one thing that's kind of a cool correlation between moto and snowboarding was um i went to day in the dirt a few years ago and I went to this event and I just was like, this is so fun. This mm. is amazing. The fact that I'm on the same track as Josh Grant and all that, like I mentioned earlier. So we started an event called Bombhole Cup. And um, the premise being there isn't really events where your top pros and your beginners are all on mm. the same platform. So we did day one as a bank slalom, which is just like a, a race, you know, it's a timed race. And so we had, but we had all these different classes. We had age classes like moto and we did vintage boards, oh, which is, sick. which is like vintage bikes. Yeah, so yeah, people, yeah. so I a hundred percent stole that from day in the dirt yeah. you know, and, or mammoth or whatever. And so we had boards, you know, pre 1990 or something like that. And then we had, um, we had, uh, skiers on boards. So if you're a skier, you can race, but you gotta be on a snowboard. We have all these fun classes where it's, it's lighthearted. We have a pro class that goes off. Uh, this year we're doing a beginner class, but the, the point being is that you have, you have top pros racing and then you have some guy who's only been snowboarding for six months racing and they're, they're all in the same corral at the top of the course. And then day two is a park showdown where we have, um, you know, a, a jump jam and a rail jam for, you know, open class. We have a Grom class and then we have a pro class. So the point being is that you have everyone from, you know, Sage Kossaberg who won the Olympics to some guy that's been snowboarding for two weeks, which is what's so beautiful about seeing McGrath or yeah, Josh yeah. Grant yeah. on the track. For me, like that's what's so cool about our sports when you can reach out and touch these heroes. And yeah, it's fucking awesome. No, that's so true. One thing that I... I always think about nowadays is does it affect the culture that's that's like so underlying and important for me and I think you know when I look at the bomb hole that's culture like you now have like a permanent part of snowboarding culture and as long as you guys want to do it I mean and the episodes that you've done will live on forever but it's like the things that really work and the things that really win are things that fully affect the culture. And when you talk about Nike and Adidas coming in, it's like, eh, does it really affect the culture? Like it kind of adds a bunch of zeros like Hurley and Nike were the same in surf, you know, like Chloe and Dino and Julian Wilson just got like fucking crazy paychecks. And like that kind of affected the culture in a sense of like what people made for a short period of time. But like underlying, like, didn't make the sport better like does that leave this lasting impression that that goes for generations like terra firma bro steel roots cultural fucking moments that affected millions of dirt bikers around the world and the effects are still felt 
now, you know, and I think that Day in the Dirt is such like a, it really affects the culture, like what you guys do with the Bumhole Cup. It's things that affect the culture, like mm-hmm. that's the important things to do. Totally, yeah, and it's it's really been interesting to see the evolution in snowboarding because snowboarding was a counterculture sport yeah. for a long time. And then all of a sudden, it, the Olympics came into play. So we came from this like skateboard, surf, snowboard kind of counterculture. And then all of a sudden, it's widely, you know, respected in, you know, snowboarding. It gets like gentrified. It a gets bit. gentrified. So all of a sudden, the kid that would never snowboard, they're like, dad's like, oh, Jimmy could get an Olympic medal. Yeah. Let's get him all the coaching we can and let's get him, send him here. And it's like the, the like rich parents accept the, like the, it for what it is because they can, they can justify it to their friends that, that it's a legitimate thing. Well, Jimmy's got a chance of going to the Olympics <laughs> yeah, exactly. in 2027. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So then in, in, in that now it's really, it's really this polarizing thing in snowboarding where you have all these kids that are especially like China and Japan and even the States and you go and all the kids that are going for the Olympics are funded by the, the governments and the yeah. government's funding for their whole shit. And there's all these coaches with iPads and they're doing like aerial training. And it's, it is, it has gone like that part of competitive snowboarding has gone so far away from where we came and it's unbelievable what they're doing, but we also need to, remember why we fucking got into this shit and it's because it's fucking cool so i think it's important to make sure that we're still doing rad shit you know and still having the right people getting bolstered and when you buy that when you have the olympics come in and all of a sudden visa wants to be a sponsor and this guy wants to be a sponsor it's great if somebody can secure the bag no hard feelings on that but at the end of the day if, if you are buying products and that product goes in to the pocket of a actual guy that lives and breathes motocross. You buy some fast house gear or whatever, and it goes into Kenny's pocket. Like yeah. you buy a snowboard that's owned by a snowboarder. Uh, the, that goes in. And I think keeping the ecosystem within snowboarding, snowboarding, supporting snowboarding, moto, supporting moto is really important. It doesn't seem like you guys have too much outside influence. Nah. And it's, it's a bummer. Like it's, it's funny because you want like i would really love the guys to get paid more than what they do and that does take the outside so there's such a balance that needs to be walked there you know and i think yeah snowboarding you have the like sean white i mean fuck how much money would have he made in his life you know so it's like we don't have that and there's a big part of me that wishes we did have that but then there's also jason wygant talks about this really well because i'm kind of like there was a especially a big period of time before the whole smx thing where i was just like riders need to be paid more riders need to be like i just fucking went in on it for a long time riders ended up getting paid more with the smx thing and then i'm like cool that's right jesse master uh ty masterpool can get fucking 80 grand for just rocking up and doing the last five rate the three rate that's actually really sick but yeah there is a level at which it's like be careful what you wish for like yeah. do you really want like nascar is so fucking lame now because it's all these crazy corporate like huge corporate sponsors like noah gregson i don't know if you follow nascar at all but he literally got fired for liking a meme really it was a bad meme to be fair yeah but like i would have if you're the team like so it was a george floyd meme basically that he liked and then the team instantly clipped done fired gone and that's just corporate pressure like if I, if it was me and i was in that 
team organization, I would have just said like, hey, Noah, didn't you give your phone to your nephew who's only six at that time of the day? Like, it wasn't you that liked that, right? It was, I'm pretty sure you said you gave your phone to your nephew. Like, there'd be like ways to play it, you know, and deal with it in like, hey, bro, like, it's fucking not cool. Like, if that was what you did, really not cool. We've, society, we've kind of moved past Mm -hmm. that shit. But it's like, because of the landscape and the corporate world, it's like, see ya, done, you're fucked. Like, career, fucked. And it's like, I just don't know that we want that in our sport if that makes sense yeah yeah it's yeah i mean there's there's old saying like core is poor which is true you know (laughs) i've never heard that yeah that's really good and 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 then there's also but you know securing the bag is is great for you know honestly like we had sean white and and he's not even really a snowboarder in the sense that he doesn't associate with snowboarders but he did introduce snowboarding to a lot of people Mm. which is really good and if if as snowboarding goes, the snowboarding salaries go up, and if, if snowboarding is a is a sport that is profitable, the riders are going to make more money, and all all that stuff's really good. Uh, it's just at a certain point, where does it become? You know, where does it become kind of uh, causing damage? And I, I mean, I don't I don't know. These are pretty pretty tough socioeconomic issues, but yeah. I think when you're supporting people that at the end of the day, no matter what they're doing, they'd be riding moto. Mm. then I think you can't go wrong. Yeah. It, so Sean White doesn't like consider himself a snowboarder in that sense. He's like say? wildly famous. Like yeah. he, he, we actually just interviewed him. I think it comes out. Uh, I don't remember when it comes out around Christmas, but he, um, yeah, he, he came and did, he did an awesome podcast, but he just doesn't know who the characters are. He doesn't know who the players are. He doesn't know just much about the, he doesn't know much about the culture. Yeah. Yeah. And cause he, he shows up, he does his snowboard contests and he, he goes back to LA or New York and he, he just doesn't, he's not a part, he's, he's a part of the competitions. He's retired now, but yeah. he doesn't, he just doesn't care about the, the culture. I mean, as much as we, we like people that are, you know, eye to eye with us that are, yeah. but he, he's also friends with fucking Madonna yeah. and he's got venture capital deals with fucking Tom Brady. Like he's in a whole different arena yeah, and yeah. he's just wildly, wildly famous to where we don't know anything about what that's like. Yeah. And so I don't fault him in any way. And he's done a lot for snowboarding. So then we have snowboarders like Mark McMorris, who are like the top guys who are on the, you know, in the trenches with everybody yeah. that know what's going down, you know? Yeah. Well, that, I think that's, what's cool about a guy like Berriman, you know? Yeah. Like he just, the dude came up to watch me and my brother race. Yes. Fucking world vets. And yeah. I suck, you know? And like the, he's on the line and he's like, he's filming and he's fucking, he comes in after the race. He's like, dude, I got the sickest shot. So fucking sick. Yeah. So core, yep. salt of the earth, like yes. real. And if he wasn't a famous dirt bike rider, that was one of the best fucking guys of all time on a dirt bike he would just still be that dude at the track yep. with the, you know, and 100%. it is so cool when those people are involved in the sport. And I guess that's a really great balance. It's like, they're the people we should pay. Yeah. And they, they and because it's like that fucking let money change. Like he's yeah. the, the guy that it's not going to change him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think in some ways those, those events like day in the dirt are like so impactful even almost more impactful than who won the latest Supercross, you know, like as for selling gear from my perspective, like when you go and you have an experience like day in the dirt 
And then you're like, damn, that was fucking awesome. I want to buy some fast house gear, you know? Whereas like I see, you know, like AP get third. I'm not like, damn, I need to get some Thors or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like, yeah, or he's at a new, he's on a different outerwear deal now. Or you're saying in general. Yeah. 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 But those days are done of like, of win on Monday, right? Oh, sorry. Win on Sunday, sell on Monday. Like it's, it's so much more. I just think it's cultural. Yeah. Like, who impacts the culture? You know, like, dude, Berriman would have sold so much fucking fast house gear and he's qualified for a season of main events in mm-hmm. Supercross, you mm-hmm. know? But those, it used to be like that, you know, in the magazine era. I and, will and say, to, to, contra- to contradict you on this, I remember I was like, damn, I want to get a gas gas. I want to get a gas gas. Barsha wins A1 and you went and bought one the next day. It was when (laughs) Barsha won Melville on Saturday. Yes. On Monday, I called the dealership and ordered a gas gas MC350. Fuck. So I, I, the marketing still works because (laughs) I'm like, when he looks so good, I mean, I, I just needed a reason to get the bike anyway. I was a Honda guy, but I wanted a 350 what are you going to do? You're going to go red fucking gas gas 350. Rod red get head, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter whether it's a Honda or a gas gas. No, I'm a big gas gas guy too, actually. That's mm-hmm. what I got a 450 in Dubai. Gas yep. gas. I fucking love that. Thing. Cool. Yeah, they're they're awesome. It's, it's so fun having a bike. And like I always tell the lady, I'm like, hey, I need, I need an hour. I'm going in the garage or two hours. I'll put on a podcast, listen to music, do my oil change, do a filter. Oh, it's so and therapeutic, like, bro. You know, and you're just turning wrenches and then you're, you know, making sure everything's dialed in and and that's the machine aspect How of it. satisfying is just talking up some triple clamps. Oh God, yeah. Like, come on, I don't need that much more than that, you know? <laughs> Give me a good torque wrench, yeah, totally. a nice set of triple clamps and like, I just want to get it tight. I want to get it close with a T-bar mm-hmm. and then like that feeling of just, eat. oh, mm-hmm. bro. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, really, really all of the whole wrenching. Like me, I was mechanically, I did it. I actually threw a piston on my 350. Damn. And uh, we, I fixed it with my friend Matt and it took us, shout out Sturbins, it took us three weekends (laughs) to do a piston. But we did it and it still runs. And you're like, how cool. That's like right on the peak of my ability level of doing, you know, that was was as high as I go. A piston on a four stroke is pretty legit. Effort. Oh my God. Yeah. Are you doing day in the dirt this year? I'm not sure. Please say yes. Yeah. Maybe I should. What's the maybe? Like what's the, you know, I feel as though as I get closer, well, first of all, I like family stuff and Thanksgiving. Yeah. Fair. I, I think Thanksgiving is important. I love just, you know, with my lady's family and everything, but, uh, so there's that. And then the other thing is just like wadding up right before winter is not the best look. I don't mm. think I will, but it's, I don't know. You know, it's always I, a possibility. It's a, yeah. The, the thing I like about, moto and snowboarding is this beautiful symbiosis where like come spring i'm excited to ride moto yeah. come end of fall i'm like let's snowboard and so you know they they there's a beautiful what they say um distance makes the heart grow fonder kind yeah. of situation yeah yeah so what what are your snowboarding commitments these days i have these kind of interesting contracts where i still get paid by brands because i think I'll like put the board behind me in the studio and I'll put the goggles behind me in the set. And, you know, I still have pro model boot with 32 pro model outerwear and it's still selling well, even though I'm not, yeah, yeah. I'm not filming video parts. I filmed two clips this year. One went in this video called Brown 
And uh, the other one went in, actually it didn't even go in anything, but, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I filmed it. but I filmed it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, I just kind of go and I just do my thing on my snowboard and the brand support me. You know, when I sign with Capita, they're like, I don't even care if you snowboard. We just like what you do. We like what yeah. you do for the culture. We like what you do. We want you representing our stuff. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. Now the, the formula has changed a little bit with the podcast stuff. And you know, if, if I, if we get millions of views, millions of people are listening to us and I'm saying like, like you're talking about a 350 that you love. Like I'm sure that sells bikes. Yeah. I'm dude. talking about a Capita. I like, I'm sure that sells boards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's fucking crazy. Like, uh, I think that's one of the things too, that, I've learned through this process and it, it sort of comes to like the whole rider pay thing. Yeah. And it's like, yes, I feel like riders should get paid more and there should be more like just the minimum should get kind of like raised up, you know. But also I look at what I've been able to create for myself and the leverage that I've been able to apply to my platform, you know. So it's like the difference is though, like I built my platform mm-hmm. in a sense. So it's like I've started with zero followers zero subscribers zero pot like it started completely from zero and i like i've created my own platform Mm -hmm. but then it's like okay so if you have some kind of personality or you're some kind of individual or like you're a brand whatever and then you've got a platform then what you need to do is you need to create a lever for you and that platform you know so it's like I've built my platform and then I applied leverage to it and then that's how I get paid or that's whatever. And it's like, there's an opportunity for everybody to kind of like do that. And you did that, you Mm -hmm. know, like you built your podcast, you, you built your podcast off your career, which you were a well-known snowboarder. And then you just apply leverage to that platform. And it's like, it, it is pretty crazy what you can do now with the internet. And like, I've got a folder that I save on my phone every time somebody says that they bought a 350 because of the podcast I screenshot it I put it in I'm just about at 100 yeah exactly <laughs> and it's like that's fucking crazy Guarantee- that's like 1.3 million dollars in dirt bikes at it, retail price it, 100% guaranteed that some you know like like you're selling more bikes than I guarantee you some factory guys. You know what I mean? And look at you know another another great example of somebody that's doing a good job it almost comes from the skate snowboard side of things, like the mentality of the content. Like I look at Carson Brown, Bro. he goes out on a two stroke. I would love, like, I love watching him just wring the neck of a fucking old two stroke or XR. <laughs> An O2 CR85. And it's like, look, he just got a Red Bull helmet. I mean, I don't know what his situation is, but that guy, I'm more excited for his video literally just wringing the neck of a clapped out CR85 over the privateer that got 17th place. I yep. mean, I shouldn't say it like that. I don't mean, but I, you know, he's got, I think he's got more value maybe, yeah. you know, but then look at a guy like Kevin Moran's. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. that's a dude or Sells like the Log- shrouds. Logan Carnell. Yeah. Dude, good so, shit. Uh, Kevin Moran's is like doing his own team this year. Like no he, way. Yeah. Like, so he's got like Kevin Moran's racing. He's like got his own truck. He's like fully doing his own thing. And like, he'd be, he'd make kind of like some decent money now, you mm-hmm. know, and fucking so he should, you know, another awesome example of a dude making good money, AJ Catanzaro. Yeah. He's got the coaching thing. You yeah. know, there's like, there is, and 
that's a guy like he's very passionate about that like mm-hmm. he's always kind of that guy like the coaching and the technique and all that sort of stuff so it's like he's he's found a way you know he's built again built a platform and he's just apply leverage to it like there is a lot of ways these days to make money and be be autonomous in yep. that sense you know you don't have to rely on how much you get paid to qualify for a main event or how yep. much a team pays or what a sponsor like you can kind of create your own value you mm-hmm. know you don't have to be told what you're worth in a sense yeah absolutely one thing i think is cool like i do pulp mx fantasy and i think that is really cool because all of a sudden i'm i know all the privateers now yeah i'm like oh fuck like, i'm gonna roll the dice on moran's he qualified fucking eight sixteenth or some shit and you're like but you get hella points. So like that's been fun. And I actually wish there was, we don't, we actually have, don't have a unified snowboarding. Con- we have the natural selection. We kind of have this fragmented contest series thing in snowboarding, but I wish I could, like, I love gambling. We do a ring. We do like a Super Bowl ring. And yeah. All this shit. yeah so. <laughs> that's so sick. Yeah. Maybe I'll come day in the dirt. I should go. I should fucking. When, when do you get married? Oh, I didn't set the date yet. Oh, okay. So yeah. that's not like a thing. No. That you don't want to. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just ride within. Dude, you got to come do it. I just booked my motorhome. I'm going to yeah. have a motorhome there. I'm going to like me and my wife. The are, boys party for that one, dude. I know. Holy shit. Well, dude, I don't really drink either. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say I'm like, I'm definitely not sober, but yeah. I don't really drink alcohol mm-hmm. much. So like, yeah, the, those events for me, I'm like, I don't really fit in like the way that, you know, everyone else does on those events but i'm still gonna go yeah and fucking have a lot of fun my uh my wife she's like this will be her first thanksgiving in america mm. so like we we're in trader joe's last night and she's like looking at all like the turkey filling that she had no idea she's like what is thanksgiving what is it about what are you supposed to cook so i think we'll be going and just like trying to cook some good food and all that sort of yeah, shit. Yeah, that'll be awesome. But I'm in on, now that the whole like ser- my serious race for the year is done, mm-hmm. then I'm like really just excited to go mm-hmm. and do a 45 minute. Why do you race on. Mammoth in the spring? Uh, this spring? Yeah. I was pretty keen for it, but I just kind of like didn't really have a bike situation. Mm-hmm. It was actually, I thought I was going to come to America and like, ktm would just give me a 350 and fucking life would be sweet and i just struggled to get a i struggled to get a reply from people and then if it wasn't for steve i would be completely fucked no way yeah yeah so steve lent me his yep. his bike and then my wife brought my suspension over so i had a bike for mammoth through steve but i didn't have any suspension it was like trail bike shit and i mm-hmm. was just like oh fuck i just could see myself it was risky for me to go and do it but it's on my bucket list mm-hmm. same as loretta's mm. kind of want to do loretta's dude but there's some dogs yeah yeah it'd be fucking that's one of those things like i want to train more now after this race the the funnest race of the year for me out of all of them is uh i race washugal old timers really yeah and it's um i think they're like 17 minute 15 or because they used to be 20s i know if you're in b class it's 20s I think the C class might be like 17s or something or like some shit like that. But you you race, um, what is it? I think it's two on Saturday, one on, it's a three moto format and 
dude, it's the week or two before the national. So it's prepped so good. And I just love, I love camping in the big redwoods and the Northwest and go surfing on the Oregon coast after you go snowboarding. So, but, dude, uh, when, yeah. so when is it? It would be like July. I, guess. Yeah, I think it's in July. Yeah. Right before the national, two weeks before the national. And what, what do you, what bikes do you race? Like you can Three, ride 350. 350. Yeah. yeah okay. I raced the 350. Dude, I could be in on doing a bunch of snowboarders you. race. That one Scott Blum, who's a snowboarder. I don't yeah. know if you met him, but he was at Mammoth. Heard of him, he got, though. he got a ninth in our class, I think, or something like that when we were there. But yeah, a bunch of us go race and camp and good times that's sick i, I rode washugal after the national the day after. oh you did the alpine stars right yeah day? yeah cool. with the alpine stars thing yeah and dude that track is so much fun yeah the whoops are fucking scary though oh they had them peaky for the national they, oh, they, was, mellow, they mellow them out for the oh yeah i was not a fan i rode around two, two, them. two, two yeah yeah and then i rode around them like once i did it and then i was like okay i'm kind of done now <laughs> <laughs> i don't need this the road jump is so oh, amazing much fun yeah i wish i could replicate that jump mm-hmm. on a track one day yeah dude it's so funny coming through the the whoops and going like i'm going like two 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 three or some shit at the end or just two 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 and you're like fucking feeling good about that and then you see like tomac fucking like four 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 or whatever it is and you're just like how the fuck do these guys do this it's insane yeah when you, I, I said it was like funny. That's become like a bit of a meme. But there was a time I was at, it was at Millville, and Tomac came down this fucking hill, and I like got scared, thinking that the bike was about to hit me, because of the ground moving. Like it literally him hitting fucking braking bumps. I had my back turned. I was kind of like walking down the hill, and there was just it was like a fucking stampede coming down this hill. And it was just Tomac breaking. And I'm like, what the actual fuck is happening in physics if I can feel that from this far away? You fucking freak. Like, what is actually going on, dude? Dude, you hear that just that Yami just barking too. Man, what do you, you got predictions? Supercross? Because he's back, right? That's, it's going to be gnarly. Yeah. Jet, him. Yeah. yeah. What, are your, what do you think? What did you think of Jet Outdoors? Were you one of those... Are you in the Jet camp that basically thinks that he had it easy and he only no. got a perfect season because I'll tell no you, one was there? I'll tell you, I grenaded in fantasy because I bet against Jet every weekend. I was like, the streak's going to end today. I'm not picking him. The streak's going to end today. I'm not picking him. And about halfway through the season, I was like, I think I fucking... I think I need to pick the dude. <laughs> yeah, I, think I, need, I think it's pretty obvious he's good. I think I need to pick the guy that's won every <laughs> yeah. single fucking race. <laughs> Yeah, I was under the camp like he's he like the streak's gonna end. I was yeah. the streak's gonna end guy. Yeah, I was so Washougal. I've I got my visa to come back to the U.S. in mm-hmm. like the fucking sixteenth of January, and Washougal was the twenty second. So I like literally booked a flight. I just made it. Like I, I, I did you go to the national or just yeah. the right day? I was there too. I flew out just for the race. Oh da- yeah, yeah. No, sorry, I was, continue. I was, yeah, I was there for the race. Um, and then the the ride day the next day, but. I like, I booked a, I think it was like the Thursday. I got my visa the Thursday. I booked a flight Thursday night for Friday morning. I flew out Friday morning, which got me to LA Friday because of all the bullshit. I had to spend three hours in fucking customs. Then I got a flight to uh, Portland and then got, got to the race. And the whole time, I've known Jet since he was on a 60. And so- the, Oh yeah, he's Aussie. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. And yeah. so the whole time- I was just being like, dude, 
please don't lose today like like i'm gonna walk in the rig and be like hey bro like and see the boys and i was like please don't let this be the day that he fucking loses because i'm like weirdly superstitious about shit and i just almost just didn't want to like talk didn't want to be i just i didn't want any of like my interfere you know when it's like uh you go back in the time and you like wouldn't want to see yourself to like fuck up the future that's how i felt mm-hmm. about like jet at hang uh Washougal. but yeah it was fucking rad like he just it was it was sick it, it was so cool as well that day because like he thought he was gonna lose that day mm-hmm. like he was like ah this is probably the day like there was he was playing some like i don't know whether it was mind games or just like he genuinely felt like that mm-hmm. but yeah he was just like yeah yeah AP, i'll probably lose today ap hole shot at moto two yeah and yeah that was insane i remember that that the place was electric when ap hole shot it it was like a fucking it was like where a, were you standing so you know um yeah the road jump and yep. then you come back down and then there's the the like yeah the step down yep. and then the downhill section yep. the shadows yep. Yep. so we're at the top on the left it's kind of the our, shout out to Ty Crandall his family owns a track there or like he he's not owns it but he's been a big part of that track for a long time he takes such good care of us Washugal he is a fucking legend he makes it I actually told him I'm like I want to get married right next to the fucking whoops at Washugal because <laughs> he got married to Washugal and I've been trying to pitch my lady she's not biting but no, I'm like not, <laughs> not doing <that>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because I just had, I, I have a deep love for Washougal, but watching Deegan hit the sand oh, scrub bump bro. hole and then landing in the sand was unfucking believable. It was awesome. And he fully snapped that moto. Yeah. Like fully, full. We, we got to see, like, and I've said it before, but I'll say it again. We will look at that race forever in mm-hmm. like the whole Deegan discography. Like, that was the single that fucking made him mm-hmm. you know number one on the billboard 100 like that was his breakout race i think mm-hmm. he totally. was fucking incredible that moment. yeah he was just riding like a fucking pit bull just like a, a straight up pit savage bull. Dude. yeah and then the other thing that was really fun to see in person that you don't always see you know because I, I i fly out there with my own money and buy the you know like i'm i'm going as a fan, fan. i'm yeah. a i'm a full i honestly don't even want to know the guys i don't want to know the pro i want to be just a fan like that's I, cool I, I like just being a fan and being like you know i'm in the industry and snowboarding i don't need to be in it in moto yeah and so going there like watching you know i think hunter with or jet with land and then like preload the suspension and bump all jump all the braking bumps and he would do that levi would do that a little bit el hombre would kind of do that and deegan would do that but there's only a few guys that were were like on the bmx it's almost like they're on a fucking bmx bike they're just yeah. hopping around and like they're just it looks like a little bmx bike for them it's crazy to watch the it change like when you're a fan for a long time and like i grew up you're th- you 35 36 okay so we're very similar in age so we grew up like McGrath, Carmichael, Stewart. Like that's that's our slither of time, you know. And back then it was just fucking ah, just holding the cunt on and just fucking loose. Swat like loose is fast, swapping everywhere. And then now we're just in this era where it's like we're just watching dancers. Mm-hmm. Like we're watching these fucking ballerinas just like place the bike around the track and like wheelie shit and just so smooth just aggression on the throttle i mean deegan kind of like changes it but the 250 sort of just you can ride it like that a bit still but 
we're just we've watched the sport change in the last couple of years and it's like it's actually so fun to be a part of witnessing that shift and i'm like where does this go like and does it go full circle and when deegan's on a 450 is it gonna be just straight send fest again and or is there gonna be this mix this perfect mix between you know that send and the technique like wet that to me i think is so fucking cool oh my god it's it's incredible it's incredible and and then going back to the old footage you look at the ruts weren't nearly as deep no now the ruts are you watch them they're so fucking deep and for me i go out there i'm working on ruts all the time so you know to be able to see the way jet and sexton stand up and go through that and then i'll go try to do that at the local track and you're like this like my mind yeah. nope can't comprehend <laughs> yeah. how good you guys are at courting. And i'm trying to show my lady and she's just like yeah that's great like they like the airtime, but i'm like no you don't understand this inside that he just hit oh you're like how the fuck did he rail that so hard and yeah like carrying momentum mm-hmm. like that's the that's the biggest thing that i think is changed in the last few years is just how much momentum they will take into a turn and it's just like off the brakes full roll speed and just crazy amount of just like flow and g's at the at the same time and you're just like dude that's actually like back in the day when you'd see like carmichael and stewart and those guys like just on the brakes and then just oh, 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 oh. You, you can relate to that like mm-hmm. everyone kind of could do that like go in super deep slam on the brakes and just fucking gas it all the way out nowadays it's just like it feels kind of unrelatable to just see the mac 5 and just rolling through a turn mm-hmm. and just, oh, just so smooth on the throttle it's like ah, that's pretty unattainable right Right about oh, yeah. I feel like back in the day, like the the training wasn't so aggressive. Now these kids are born in like a test tube and yeah. thrown on a fucking <laughs> yeah. 50 and getting like, you know, if you're coached from when you can barely walk all the way through super minis and you're just like working a program with all these training camps or whatever they got, what do they call them? Factory, the, 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 the places where the yeah, kids like, go to train yeah, yeah, yeah. and you training know, facility, training facility kids. And then you, then you look at this, it's just going to keep going. Like it's going to, their kids are going to keep getting better, faster, younger kids that are watching jet that are three years old right now are going to be better than jet is now. I wonder like what, I wonder what the sport does to accommodate for that because it's like slow it down right they got to slow down the speeds no well yeah i wonder like how though because like supercross they're going faster like they're going faster than the track can let them almost you know and i think about in snowboarding like i watch snowboarding now i couldn't even tell you a trick that they did yeah like back in the day i could i could be like a casual snowboarding fan and be like holy fuck you just did a 1080 or he just did, you know, whatever it is. Whereas now I'm just like, I have no fucking idea what that is. Mm-hmm. Like I would have to, like I'm friends with Scotty a bit and I watch what he does and I'm just like, mm, cool. I don't know what that is. That's Blum? Uh, James. Oh, Scotty James. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's Aussie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Sorry, yep. So he, I'm like, okay, cool. That's fucking dope. Like I have no idea what that is. I don't know whether that's front, back, up, down, fucking 1080, 1280, 14, 40, 15, 55. Like, well, I don't know what the fuck you guys are actually up to now and i just don't know if there's a moto equivalent of that well it's interesting you talk about that with snowboarding because 
it used to be when I was a kid watching it, somebody do a 900. I'm like, I can, I can Never figure, do I, or, I was, or I was actually like, I think one day I could see myself mm, doing that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And now if you're a kid and you watch, it's gone like they're doing 1800s, which is that what two it is? 900s in a, on a jump, which is just, it's, and, and these kids are training on airbags in the summer on bristles. And then like, it's like a bristle slope no. and then they chuck into an airbag. So they all summer, they just repetition, repetition, repetition. And they're on, like, they got iPads, they got coaches and it's turning into like aerial ski jumping, like this aerial gymnastic kind yeah. of sport, which actually fucking doesn't help anything when, when you don't know what's going on and it's so wild, like it doesn't actually help the sport. And so when I'm going back to moto, I don't know about accommodating for speed, but what I think where I see the direction going that I think would be really cool. Like I went to watch Hugel years ago for the 125 dream race before the main. Yeah. Event. Yeah. And it's like, dude, I think the things for the culture, if the AMA could, could accommodate for the culture more and do, Oh, we're going to do a 125 dream race at a few different races. We're going to have McGrath. We're going to have Carmichael. We're going to have Browner or whatever. And like all these like kind of OG vet, like I'd be more excited for yeah. watching McGrath racing a one, two, five than I probably would be for the 250 main, yeah. you know, and things like that, that build the culture or like a vintage bike race, Yeah, yeah. you know, before, like we're going to do, you know, I think, I mean, I don't know how the logistics work and thing like things like that, but I feel like if the AMA did more for the culture in doing cool shit not just like in addition to the the premier racing i think that would help the yeah. culture a shitload yeah because you know you you're sort of you're seeing now and especially in supercross where it's just so like calculated and everyone's doing the same thing by practice every like three laps of practice have you been in many supercrosses yeah. and watched like all day like yep. the whole practice it's fucking crazy isn't it mm -hmm. that in two laps they're doing everything yeah they're doing basically the same lap time that they're going to do in qualifying on the third lap of practice and mm -hmm. it's like kind of the same in the national like they've clocked the game every week they go there and they've already clocked the game and then it just becomes like this like uh like routine parade around everything's routine everything they know what to expect every single time and it's like yeah i just i don't know that there's in the same way that with snowboarding where it's like it's unrelatable now it's like i just is it relatable to watch dudes never make a mistake never and then but then the flip side of that is like when they do it's this crazy fucking crash that like ruins their life for six months and you're like well i don't know if i want that either yeah fuck man i i don't have the answers for these things but i do i do feel like again just going back to like the the cultural ride days like the, the what you have going on the day in the dirt the the fun like bringing racing back to just being fun at least for the consumer for the weekend warrior for the vet i think is massively fun for the sport you know is huge for the sport yeah yeah no and it's definitely happening more now than i than mm -hmm. or maybe i'm just like aware of it more yeah you know maybe my eyes were like closed to it in the in the past but i think now like when you've got dudes like you know yeah jg Berryman, mcgrath like that's actually cool as fuck to see mcgrath at the mammoth like that yep. was such a highlight for me i never got to watch him race in person mm -hmm. like I, I watched him on vhs tapes obviously i grew up in australia but dude how cool is it that the greatest supercross racer of all time still loves the sport enough to just go and race like drive seven hours eight hours to just go and race you know and it's kind of 
unique mm-hmm. to our sport that that actually can happen. Yeah, and and that's it. That's it. hundred percent. It's. I don't know if this is this is an interesting thing to talk about, but thinking about racing and moto culture versus like snow and skate culture, I almost feel like. Um, I, I feel like I used to feel as though moto was like really kind of like alpha. Yeah. Like a lot of dudes walking around with their chest puffed out. Like I'm faster than you. Like this guy's a fucking pussy. Like whatever. You know what I mean? Like that kind of vibe. And coming from skateboarding and snowboarding, you have like a lot of like creatives. Yeah. Like you have a lot of artsy fuckers, right? Yeah, yeah. And you got people that like are incredible, but they just kind of roll around and they're misty and then they'll bust something crazy. And it's, it's actually almost a way where you're not actually trying to be the tough guy. You're kind of almost the humble killer. Yeah, It almost yeah. has a humble killer vibe, a lot of it. And so I think that, you know, that almost that mentality in some ways of, of being able to you know, just not having that alpha vibe. Yeah. With, I feel like Tyler doesn't have it, you no. know, Twitch, like Vicky, they're just cool. They, they feel like a skateboarder or a snowboarder to me. Whereas some of like, especially like a 20 one year old race kids, just like, I'm fucking faster than you what up yeah yeah like i'm you know and it's like no that ain't it dude that ain't it the vibe should be like let's go fucking have a good time on the dirt bikes let's drop this game motherfuckers let's go (laughs) yeah exactly well do you think that that's because it's like a contact sport like moto is in a weird lane where it's kind of a fight yeah good point you know and skateboarding you're never fighting the dude you know, like, yeah. so imagine, would the, okay, That's a good so point. I'll throw I this. I like this. I'll yep, throw this. This is a good you. analogy. So if, all right, let's say street league of skating, right? That's a, that, that's street, still a competition, yep. right? Let's say instead of doing your individual run, they have 10 dudes go at once. So you've got two heats, <laughs> yes. dude, right? So you got heat one. It's got fucking Niger and it's got all the dudes that I don't know skating. Mm. And then they're like dropping it and they're all like looking like where the fuck are you dropping it? I'm fucking dropping in bro. And then it's just like everyone's just this cluster fucking boom big shoulder People charges hitting. and like get the fuck out of my that's kind of moto. <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> you know? a good analogy. You know? So I think that and I, I, I love I'm a huge UFC guy mm-hmm. and I'm always talking about the parallels between the UFC and Moto. And everyone's always telling me to shut the fuck up. And I'm like, you're not thinking about this as what it actually is. It's a fight. And the dudes are fighting their teammates. Like Deegan, every single day at the goat farm, is fighting with those guys. Levi Kitchen left because he's sick of fucking fighting Deegan every day of his life. That's what I would assume because- I would be sick of fucking fighting Deegan every day. You know, like he is that alpha cocky motherfucker that's like scrimmage, 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 scrimmage. Like I want to compete. So I think that's why Moto has that free riding is not like that. Like Tyler and those dudes. That makes sense. So so essentially, I think to look at it objectively, you're, you're totally right. Because racing, there's a winner and there's a fucking loser. Yep. That's it. Like there's, there's, it is, I went faster than you. There is no debate. Yeah. And, and so you, you are fighting there. It's, it is about lap times. It is about being faster. Snowboarding is an, is totally subjective. Yep. Like you could argue that the guy got fifths could win. Yeah. And, and so snowboarding almost borders 
on depending on your mindset a lot of people look at it as more of an art yeah. f- the way i like to describe snowboarding is it's a freedom of self-expression for sure and that's and it's like how do you want to move your body around and look cool you want to have dope style you want to you want to do shit and make it look good there are no rules yeah so when you when you start creating parameters around snowboarding where it's like there are no rules it invites itself to artsy creative fuckers and yeah. and it and there are like take for example like Scotty James your butt like dude he's he's on some like like I, I interviewed him and I'm like what do you think at the top of the half pipe and I love that he said this he's like I want to fucking kill the guy and I'm like <laughs> yeah. that's amazing you know whereas <laughs> when you're when you're filming a trick with three of your buddies for a movie in the backcountry it's not always I want to kill the guy it's like I want this shit to look fresh. Like yeah. I want my style to look good. I'm not going to do a 1440. I'm going to do a 180, but I'm not going to flinch. I'm going to get a tranquilizer dart to the neck in the air. So I'm just chilling. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So yeah. that's the vibe. That's the difference I think with the mentalities, but then you take the free riders like Twitch, you take Beerman, you take Vicky and they, they're like, you know, they're making shit look, just look good. Like the, it's like the whip looks better then the fucking backflip where you do the hand thing and you put your feet on the fucking <laughs> yeah, the yeah. thing and then you, you got to undo, <laughs> undo the hook. You got to fucking redo the hook. And <laughs> like, I'm glad we got away from like the fucking 45 hooks on the bike and all the Dude. weird shit that they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so true. And like, it, you could think about it like positive sum game versus a negative sum game. Yeah. And it's like in snowboarding, it's like you kind of, that you're competing, but you're not, on the same thing at the same time so it's like in that in that moment he's not taking anything away from you in a sense where it's like moto is very zero sum like there's someone has to win and because someone wins someone else loses and it is the same in all competitions but like you said it's like very subjective where it's like objectively this guy on this racetrack right now can take this away from me mm-hmm. and i can actually do something about that Mm-hmm. I can pass this guy and beat him. I can fucking clean him out. Like there's a lot that I can do to make sure that guy doesn't win. And I think that's where some of that kind of gnarliness comes in because it's the same with like downhill mountain biking. Like a lot of those guys are friends. Yeah. You know, because they're racing each other, but it's like one dude starts at the top and he's got the course to himself and it's like, hey man, fucking do your thing. Like if you beat me, you beat me. You know, whereas Moto, it's just like not like that. Like, dude, we posted a clip yesterday of Barsha saying that he didn't talk to Eli Tomac for 16 years. (laughs) (laughs) He's seen him in the fucking every every weekend. 31 weekends. He's seen this motherfucker, you know? And it's like 16 years. Can you imagine being in someone's vicinity? Like, really close proximity to a person for 16 years and not saying one word to them yeah that is hectic dude yeah it's amazing it's so good like i, I was talking to my my fiance we we're at supercross in salt lake i'm looking at all the guys on the line i'm like these guys fucking hate they each fucking other. Hate <laughs> she's like really i'm like yes <laughs> yeah well dude so cooper webb and ac got sat on a plane next to each other one one weekend in Supercross this year. First time they'd ever spoken their entire life. <laughs> <laughs> Known each other since they were four. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's insane. So gnarly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Snowboarding, you come off, you like at the Olympics, they're landing the best runs of their life. All their competitors are embracing them with hugs and they land. Yeah. It's like, the it's a totally different deal. Like when I tell that to my snowboard buddies, I'm like, these guys hate each other. But I'll tell you what, it's 
Moto Beef is so entertaining. So good. God, I, I love Moto Beef. It's so like we don't have enough beef in snowboarding. Like, you, the guys, the fact that they hate each other and they're all like tough guys is fucking just so fun as a consumer. Oh, and they can hit each other. <laughs> yeah. Like, they, and they do. Like, yeah. it's fucking. Did you see the World Supercross stuff with Vince Free? Yeah, dude. Holy shit. <sighs> and then the post race interview, they're all still chirping each other and he's oh. calling Dino a whiner and stuff. <laughs> unbelievable uh it's it's funny with with vince like because i i actually dude i had like a full intervention with him at the gym like the other day he goes to the same gym that i go to and i was like because i'm i'm de- i don't know how actually i'll just ask how do you feel about like do you divorce your personality or like your like the on-screen online you like you can divorce that from like the you that's just in your kitchen making toast for your missus kind of dude you know like there's a very clear distinction between like what the online camera dude is and then like who you are at home like do you feel the same kind of way i can't i can't ever think i've never i don't really think about that much i know that runky tells me when i go in my chair or or agent he's like that's your power chair (laughs) but but other than that like i yeah i I do feel i don't think about that like that but i'd yeah continue yeah because i guess like i've definitely made a decision that like really early on that i just don't give a fuck yeah like if you say what you want to say think what you want to think like there's guys that comment like we're i'm very lucky like we have a very positive like there's a lot of positive comments and people really enjoy this but you there's always fuckheads basically and especially like with the clips do you guys post clips much yeah so with the clips it's very clickbaity it's very you know like it's what that's how youtube works very sorry that's just the fucking reality of it and so i'll always get the people that'll kind of comment in regards to that shit but like i can just fully like today i roasted a dude i'm like who hurt you like that just that's what i comment but i have no feelings towards it like i actually don't give a fuck so there's i made a decision it's like if you want to say what you want about me online have beef with me like me and paul we, we went back and forth for a bit you, you did well with steve on when you called in <laughs> oh, dude i was like holy you kind of did you kind of fucking owned him dude. <laughs> i remember being like because i love paul too I, I don't discriminate like i said i raised desert i raised yeah, track i yeah, raised gp yeah. listen to pulp i listen to gypsy i'm a i'm a fucking guy kefir testing yeah, you know yeah. sign me uh, up sign me up i'm, I'm listening but anyway continue oh uh, but you know but that so that example there I had no feelings mm-hmm. in that. Like, I just looked at that. I was like, okay, he's probably going to talk about this. I got this that I would like to say. Like, And I genuinely, the, the whole weed thing, like the Cheech and Chong. Like, I was like, hey, bro, that's weed. That's like a weed reference. And you're like putting down this kid and he'd never done it at all. And you'd wrote an article that then made Yamaha fucking drug test a kid that's never done drugs before. And you say you're a journalist. You got a fact wrong i called you a bad journalist if you like the math maths like you fucked up and i'm just saying that how it is i have zero feelings i don't hate the dude i don't dislike zero but i can i look at that situation I'm like okay well this is pretty good fucking content for people and that was some of his best viewed shit you know so i am very good i think these days at like fully divorcing the online thing, the whatever. And it's like, say what you want to say. It's it's all good. Like, I'm not going to let that stuff affect me. Mm. And I kind of had this conversation with Vince Freeze because yep. he was 
he was like kind of bummed and like oh you know i just want people to fucking like me and i'm a really nice guy and i, and I just told him i'm like dude and, it, and then i'm like you should just lean in like lean into this start talking a bit of shit he's like oh, i'm not really that that guy and i'm like but you will start to kind of win people over by just leaning into it like play the character divorce your feelings from it and you'll start i think you'd start to see shit turn and i was like i said pick who you want to be in that sense you know like pick the something you feel comfortable playing and that you can play but not you know like divorce your feelings from it and so i said i was like do you follow mma at all and he was like yeah and i was like chael sonnen just be chael sonnen like the he was the dude uh, do you watch much you nope so anyway he was like the fucking most majestical shit talker of all time like before connor did it kind of differently connor was very like bravado but whereas chael would like pick you apart and just fucking destroy you with like really good shit you know but anyway so i kind of like had this combo with him and it was cool to watch him in that whole world supercross like i feel like he finally kind of like leaned in because he's always the guy that he'll like take people out and then say because i'm like I go, bro, you can't take someone out and then say, I didn't mean to do it. Oh, God, I, didn't, I, I hate that. that. I'm like, bro, you can't, that's not, that's why people fucking hate you. Yeah. Like, people will actually like you more if you go, yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, I cleaned him out. Like, get out of my fucking way. You're in the way. You don't want me to take you out? Fucking be quicker than me, you know? So, I think this was like the first time where like he kind of like finally leaned in and we went, I went to the WSX in uh, the UK in June or July, whatever yeah. it was. And uh, and I said to him before the press conference, so I was like really hard on him after the last one in Melbourne and we we're all in like the room and I sat down in like the writer's room and I was like, hey, I'm going to ask you some shit about this race and this whole thing. I called you out in Melbourne, fully go at me. Like I'm completely, just rip me apart and fucking send it. I'm, no way. Yeah, I was like, I'm completely fucking fine with this. And then so I like asked him the question and said like, hey, I got it wrong. Fucking feel free to roast. And he didn't do it. And I'm like, fuck, come on, bro. Like you, this, this is what will actually make people like you because it is kind of fun watching. You never want dangerous shit, but we Rubbins racing and we do, yeah. we do fucking like it. Yeah, and we like people that say what the fuck they think in this day and age. It's so it's so rare. Mm. It's so fucking rare. Yeah, and it's interesting to talk about the, you know, I think like the negative comments thing's an interesting one to deal with too because if you put weight on positive comments, then what happens when the comments turn negative? And what I've what I realized through that process is the only thing that matters is what I fucking think of myself. Mm -hmm. And if, if I know who I am and I can look at the mirror and know who I am and know, you know, and be honest with who I am, it doesn't fucking matter what anybody else thinks. You know what matters, what people think? My fiance, I care what she thinks of me. My best friends, my family, that's the only, they know who I am, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that the negative comments thing, it really, what's more important than what somebody else thinks of you is what you think of yourself. And once I kind of worked on that and I was like, I'm going to fucking, as corny as it said, like, I'm going to show some kindness to myself. I'm going to, I'm going to work on kindness towards myself. And then all of a sudden the, the comments hit the fucking pan and melt off like butter. They don't, they don't give, I don't give a shit whether it's positive or negative. It's nice to get positive. It's fine. It's great to get negative. What really matters, it's like you do a podcast, you're like, 
that was a good podcast. Mm -hmm. That's what matters. It doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, and you just keep following that. That's the key, you know, but when you're like, give, give away all your power to your, to other people that are fucking going through whatever in their life. You never know. And controversy, like you were saying earlier, really brings the worst out in people. <laughs> Holy fuck. People like lose all control of their bodily functions. And type Stop mean fucking shit. twitching and <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. So that was interesting shit. That's fine. I just got to uh, check that camera real yeah. quick. It's flashing. Dude, already, How you feeling, Jace? We've already done three hours. Have we? Have you, you want to you wrap, you wanna wrap it up? Pretty. Yeah, pretty sure. Soon? Yeah. Cool. We can. Yeah, how are you feeling about? Good. Cool. Fucking loved it. I've had yeah. a, I've had a blast. Cool. I have that uh, just to finish on what you were saying. Then okay. I have literally that exact same perspective. Yep. Where it's just like, hey, I'm fucking married. I got really good friends. I got a good family. They call me out <laughs> when I'm being a piece of shit. Like they're the people that know, you know, who who I am. And like, there's so many people that. I I love fighting with people on the comments and just like again with just zero feeling like I have zero fucking regard for it and it's just like call I love to just be like hey do you understand that you're actually a piece of shit <laughs> like if you're a person that will go on the internet and comment on a free podcast that you willingly clicked into this is not on free to air television where you turned on the channel and I was fed to you like you did this to yourself do you understand your role and responsibility here and it's like and you've commented all this negative fucked up shit makes you not a great dude like I think you should be aware of that but yeah it's like I'm and and the what you said about the positive and the negative it's like you you can't want the positive if you're not willing to accept the yeah, negative totally. you know cuz I, I had a the the first one that was like that I got I was rattled it was like I think episode 30 or something it was with Chad Reed and I was like this was fucking awesome like we killed it I've never heard Chad talk like this like and then too there's there's always so much that people don't see and understand like there was 40 minutes of the podcast with chat with chad that i cut out because he asked me to because it was stuff about his dad he was like crying like it was fucking heavy Damn. yeah yeah and so there's like this big section of the podcast that i cut and no one will ever see it no one will ever like no one will ever have the context and then people will make their like that was the first time i got like a lot of negative comments like the fucking podcast got hundreds of thousands of views and shit and uh and yeah that was one where i was like dude this fucking sucks like this is not fair i'm like a really nice guy but i was super down with all the positives yeah like before that like i was fucking living you know so yeah that that was like a a, a pretty good early lesson that like okay don't want the positives if you're not willing to accept the totally. negatives too. Hey, the internet's a weird place because it's like the the internet's not real. It's not a real place, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? So, yeah. like for example, you're people like oh, I want a bunch of followers and this and then sure you might get some nice messages and communicate with some people and that's like really special. I actually really value when people reach out yeah. to me and with kind messages. I feel this like exactly. I love that. I do think that's really special. However, you know, in the, in the situation of the real world, like when your fucking car breaks down, whether you got 100,000 followers or you got 10, you're still going to call those same five people. You still got that same five people in your life that's your core. It's like this false sense of friendship where you're really just like staring into a 
screen and texting somebody mm. across the world that you don't hang out with. And yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I go back to, yeah, just watering the, the flowers that are your per, like close relationships are that's, that's, that's all that matters. Yeah. The people close to you, what they think of you. Yeah. Well, mate, we just did three hours and I fucking loved it. It was awesome. We traversed a lot of uh, different topics and uh, and landscapes, but hopefully this will not be your last appearance on the show. You have an open invite whenever you're in Southern California. Come bullshit. Uh, people can watch The Bomb Hole on YouTube. You can uh, subscribe to it on Spotify and everywhere else where you get your podcasts. Any last words, last thoughts? That's it. It's an honor to come down and, and talk to, uh, moto with you. Fucking love riding moto. So it's been a blast and I uh, appreciate everybody that listened and tuned in. And maybe day in the dirt. Maybe day in the dirt. Yeah, Let's I'll see. show you a wheel on the top of Mount St. Helen. Let's go. 350 gang, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, brother. Hell yeah. Thank you, Chase. We're excited to announce the launch of our new membership site, gypsytales.com. Packed with exclusive content and perks that you won't find 